This podcast is for mature audiences only and may include cussing, cursing, fidgeting, rambling, insensitive or irreverent material, slurs, catchphrases, expressions, lamentations, and or degradations that aren't suitable for young folk. Also, we'll be talking about the reefer. That wizard came from the moon. Welcome to Purple Dungeon Squid, the podcast for gamers that toke. If you love the green and you love the screen, then you're in the right place, friend, because we're here to shoot the breeze on some dank strains, the marijuana, and some video games. This week on Purple Dungeon Squid, Andy lost a bet on Destiny 2, Burns in the Wallet. Uh, Santa came and brought him a switch, and then the hackers on the interwebs found a way in the back door. Dan played Crypt of the Necrodancer and danced until he could dance no more. Andy played Super Mario Odyssey, and Jeff Sessions is a major buzzkill. We'll also be settling in for a smoke sesh with our strain of the week, and uh, yeah, stick around for that because it's going to be a good, good time. I'm your host, Andy, and with me as always, Always is the one, the only, the immutable, the my main shit lasagna, Dank Dan. Welcome to the maiden voyage of the good vessel, Purple Dungeon Squid 2018. She's gonna be a doozy. Yeah, man, maiden voyages are what I'm all about. You like to be the first one in, eh? I've been saying that since I was uh, a wee lad. The first time, right. uh, well, yep, got nothing there, but I wanted to did, make a did, Star Wars did that ever, and went sexual. Did that, ever, did that ever pan out for you? Um, well, you know, I mean, just, uh, let's see here. I'm, I'm counting down the minutes to 2019 when I think, uh, I think I may lose my virginity. Any day my, now. My, 20, my 2019 virginity is what I mean. Oh, fresh. Now, have you popped that 2018 cherry? Mm. Am I to understand that? Yes, yes, I didn't. We got spicy either. early in the podcast today. I know. I, I don't even know. It's like it's like it's like fifth grade spicy. That's how spicy right. we got. Right. There was there was nothing nothing intellectual or entertaining really about it, but it was it was you know it had a, it had a nice early early innocent feel. And and just like some uh, college sophomores, we rushed it. Yeah, we didn't warm it up. We went went straight for it. Such, and just, and listen, see. just like some college sophomores, we're going to finish early uh, because it's been a long, long day for you, Dank Dan. <laughs> oh, buddy. It's been one of those weeks uh, where the overtime, uh, the continuous candle burning at work is there. And the sad thing is it's the punish we do to ourselves, the punishment we do to ourselves, because no one said, hey, Dank Dan, you absolutely have to work. But mm. I, I went ahead and hit that money button. You ever the just have to button. hit that money, that money button, Andy? Listen, man, there are very few things in this world that you could task me with and not pay me you know, a good amount of money for that I wouldn't say yes to. I, I had to give you 10 bucks to go golfing with me. It was rough. You're like, yeah. I have to hit that money button. Listen, man, if you can monetize, monetize. I mean, just ask EA. You, you offered me like a, a loot box. You're like, Dan, uh, I could high five you at the end of every hole, regardless of the strokes to get there. And 
uh, one-time purchase, nine ninety nine. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, listen, man. Sometimes, uh, sometimes you got to go for it, um, and then you know, if people say no, well, you just shove it down their throats. Andy, did you get into this new year with any uh, with any stark resolutions? Uh, yeah, I came into I came into the new year um, with uh, with the, the the staunch resolution to stay high, man. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was my, like I'm not a New Year's resolution guy. You know, I make uh, I make new goals. I set new uh, set new objectives. Seems like every single day. So I feel like the new year is just a, a good time to settle in and and enjoy the fact that we get another another 365 on this blessed rock. I like to I love that, and I lo- I like to punish myself early in the year. Like start with something very difficult. So um, uh, my sweet sweet lady suggested we do a, a juice cleanse. And I mean, they call it a juice cleanse because what they don't include in there is that there will be no solid food um, mm. for three days to speak of. And wow. Oh, man. We were going to record the podcast yesterday, and my munchie of the week was going to be uh, a cup of beet juice. <laughs> um, which, I mean, listen, not, not bad, uh, you know, not very bad. nutritious. But, yep. uh, you know, when that's all you've consumed all day, um, I can see why, uh, you know, three minutes into our conversation, you were screaming at me about an argument we had three years ago. So, you know, Oh, yeah. I, I made a list. I checked it twice. And I, like, I read up on it. Day two is the grumpy day. The grumpy you day. Did catch, you did catch me on the grumpy day. It was the time where my, my subconscious, my, my lizard brain, something deep inside me was was whispering, where's the food, Dan? Dan, where's the food? Where's the food, Dan? Where's the food? Like, <laughs> it, it's like, listen, did you get kicked out of your tribe? Why is there no food? Yeah, Dan? man. We got big problems here. No, I got you entirely. And, you know, I mean, I think it's your I think it's your civic duty to put your phone on do not disturb when you're experiencing that level of discomfort. Um, just don't just don't take any calls. Yeah, man. If you ever want to get out of any engagement of any kind, it's a party. It's a bar mitzvah. It's someone's quinceanera. Just say, oh, I'd love to come, Terry, uh, but I'm doing a cleanse. And not only are you out of that obligation, there will be no follow-up questions. No, no follow-up questions. That's, there's uh, that's not, no problem. There's, I, I said to you, hey, Andy, I'm doing a cleanse. And you know what I got? Silence. Silence, Silence. Silence is golden. You know, um, we're just coming back. So welcome back, Purple Dungeon Squad, uh, to this follow-up to our holiday episode. We haven't been uh, we haven't been live for a little while here, and it's feeling nice to settle back into the chair. But um, you know, we we did we did sail right past Christmas, and this episode will be coming out a good deal after New Year's. But I, I gotta ask, man, what did uh, what did Mister Claus bring you for Christmas? Did you get something? Did you get something nice in your sack? I mean, um, his, his sack, not your sack. Man, can we have one pitch that doesn't make me go deep dirty on it? I mean, yes, you, you're going you deep dirty across. on Santa's bag. Get in there. I'm going to pass. I'm going to let that one go. I'm going to give this one a little classy nod. Um, mm. I got um, some enhanced uh, enhancements for my recording equipment, um, including nice. a very nice uh, mic stand that is oh. currently orienting a mic uh, four inches from my uh, supple lips. And uh, I hope it's helping my dulcet tones. And other than that, I, I made a, a very keen request to friends and family to um, keep it low on the present side, um, you know, and just enjoy my company. And I think I gave I think I gave many people as a present of a framed photograph of myself. Oh, yeah. Yep. There you go. What do you think of, what think, you think think of that? Every, I think everybody would have preferred to give you a gift. And just right. said, I mean, that's mean to say you're a great, you're a great companion, Dan. And, you know, I, I'm Whoa. sad actually that I didn't get to see you. I didn't get to see you a little more often over the break. You did come to my Christmas party. Though. We did. We did friends miss. 
right? Yeah, we did Friendsmas. You came over, got bombed, started screaming about strippers in my uh, in my fucking parlor. So you know, pardon, it's all right. pardon you, <laughs> yo, pardon you. It's a dance like <laughs> everybody likes titties and strip clubs, and I was like, no, Dan, we don't talk about that in in my parlor. <laughs> That's not I, family listen, family friendly. I'm, that doesn't sound like me. That doesn't sound like me. Are you sure that wasn't you? <laughs> I, I, I Did you really... get in an argument with a mirror again? Because it wouldn't be the first time. You're like, this guy's just too hard-headed. Oh, yeah. Well, what can I say? I mean, maybe maybe it was. Maybe it was me. Maybe it was you. Maybe it was the ghost of Christmas uh, Christmas present. But um, speaking of which, I got, I got, drum roll, please. I feel like there's, there's this, oh, God, I'm so excited. I can't even, I can't even speak words. I'm Contain so excited. It. I got it. Yep. Mm, yeah, go ahead. Now go for it. Okay, I got a switch for Christmas, bro. My Boom. wife, Boom. my beautiful wife. I'll even go. I'll pull a Dan here. My sweet, sweet wife got me a switch for Christmas. God bless her. And not only, you know, I was, I had an inclination that it was coming because, you know, I see the credit card bill and there was a switch there. So it wasn't a total surprise, but it was still beautiful opening it up on Christmas morning. And I was expecting Breath of the Wild and Odyssey. You know, that's what I'd put out there into the space. And, and I, I was pretty sure that was what was happening. But check this. A little bit of Mario Kart in there, too. A little bit of Mario Classic. Kart 8. What a delight. Surprise and delight all the way. It was the best Christmas of all time. I haven't been that giddy about a Christmas since my parents bought me a PlayStation 2, you know, in my, in my teens. Now, what was your reaction when you, when you tore forth the paper? I mean, there was some there was some nervous crying initially, uh, but that passed pretty quickly and the children were getting upset. So I had to kind of put aside my emotions and just not look at the system for the rest of the day. But, but sure. yeah, I was I was pretty excited. I mean, there's like a unique high watermark when a, a child gets a console because it, it represents a revelation, a, a, mm. almost a change of social class. You know, I'm no longer... Timmy, the Atari 2600 kid, I'm a Sega Genesis, I'm, I'm a Super uh, Nintendo guy. There's like screaming, there's dropping to the knees. I've seen tears, like oh, tears sure. that look like, they look like rage-filled tears. Like mm. they look like the face of a child is about to crush his enemies. And I like that. There's something, there's something magical about that. I, th I think they call that Christmas magic, Dan. I don't think that's what Chris Kringle that, Christmas intended originally. Magic. I don't think like... When the, the Germans uh, uh, brought their bespoke trees in and, and lit them with candles, uh, were they intending the sweet rage happiness of a six-year-old getting a, an sorry, NES? What is this German candle tree thing? I think you need a refresher on the origins of Christmas, my good man. <laughs> no, sir. a German yes. candle situation. Yes, 100%, buddy. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Were the German, were the, the German Listen, candle sellers there at the birth of Christ? That has nothing to do with Christmas uh, as we celebrate it with the gifting, the giving gifts and things of that nature. I, I, I've I mean, got please. three. I've got three wise men that have some words for you. Uh, you're you're going you're going original for me. You're going old school. Um, now, was was Jesus born on uh, December 25th? Was that his birthday or that is Jesus's birthday as right. we know it. Thank you. Oh, OK. Oh, are you going to give me some like old calendar shit? Is that what you're going to do? I I was just I just want to put that out there. I want to, to get you on record. Well, I mean, if we want to be pedantic about it, you were born at what three fifteen in the afternoon. We'll celebrate your birthday for one nanosecond the next time it rolls around, Dan. Don't worry. I feel like you're just being mean now. I'm sorry. It feels a little <laughs> cruel, and and, and I didn't want to go to this place because I'm so you made excited it, you made about it my personal switch. Right away, and I I've jotted it down in personal slights from Andy. 
buddy, the number's getting way up there. It's, I mean, there's a couple of them. There's a couple. Did of you them know the original, um, a tree topping was, uh, not a star or an angel, but a fairy. Oh, the Christmas fairy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. That, that was, well, because listen, the origins of, you got to understand the way our, our, uh, celebrations of our ho- religious holidays and holidays in general, especially when it comes to Christmas, they're not one thing. There are a bunch of things that got brought together, right? The, the yes, whole tree thing, the whole tree game, that's, uh, that's more of a pagan ritual that the Germans really brought, brought to light, no pun intended, ah, there um, you go. I see ra- what you around did. the 1600s. Yeah, there's, a great, there's a great ideas on CBC, and it was, it was breathtaking. Oh, well, there you go. A little bit of knowledge for your day. Which, um, which for our American friends, that's like NPR. I've, I've really gone highbrow on them on this one. Yes. And it wasn't fair. It wasn't fair to do that. You know, that's true. CBC and NPR, are, 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 they do have a lot. They do have a similar tone. I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, good, good call. Um, in other news, in terms of expanding minds and palates, I tried ramen for the first time. Yep. Ooh. Yesterday. And really? uh, I, I had to bring it up because it was a unique culinary experience. I got some spicy pork ramen um, from God. Why can't I remember the name of it? Anyway, ramen joint here in Toronto. And, you know, here's the thing. Um, you know, ramen is a, just just by virtue of the fact that there's so much Japanese influence in video games and video game culture. Ramen, ramen appears often. In fact, weren't you just talking about a game recently that had a lot of ramen in it? What was that? Final Fantasy? Yeah, Final 15? Fantasy uh, 15 was the one I was talking about. I think, that's what, I think that's what inspired me. You know, I was looking at Uber Eats the other day and I was like, you know, ramen, something that in my mind intellectually I like, but I've never actually tried. So, you know, I, I, I slapped it down. Let me give you the play-by-play. Got my spicy pork ramen within 25 minutes. Thank you, Uber Eats. Sat down to tuck into it. If you've never eaten ramen before, typically, or at least takeout ramen, what they'll do is they'll give you all of the uh, all of the meat and protein ingredients along with all of the toppings and seasonings. For example, there was garlic and chili flakes, and you know some some her. I, I don't know. I guess it was cilantro or something like that. Bay no, maybe scallions. Leaves, a lot of bay leaves, buddy. No bay leaves, but they were no there bay were scallions. Yes, no okay. no bay leaves. There were all scallions right. on that bad boy. A nice big pile of garlic, freshly chopped garlic, and they give you the broth separate. So there's these nice thick noodles in with all of that. You got some pork belly which is delightfully fatty and a little bit crispy. And um, what you do is you pour the broth over the whole, the whole experience. And what I expected was to really enjoy the noodles, really enjoy the pork belly, really enjoy the other toppings in there, enjoy them being flavored by the ramen soup as if it were almost like a condiment or a, or a sauce, right? And then just like casually discard the broth afterwards. But make no, mis- no, make no mistake, even if you're not the kind of person that generally likes brothy things, which I wouldn't identify as being a broth person myself, ramen broth is fucking delicious. I ate every, and in fact, I enjoyed the broth even more than the actual, the actual stuff inside. So uh, if you haven't jumped into the world of ramen, it is not just noodles swimming in water or flavored water. It is a unique culinary journey, and you owe it to yourself to try. I love that, and you're so right. It's such a the, the such a correct call. It's the that that broth at the end is so sustaining. It's so essential. It it, it gives you that strength to brave the uh, negative thirty degree weather that we're experiencing currently. Yeah, it was fucking insane this morning. So my car straight up wouldn't start because it's way too cold. Um, your battery's just gone, and it was actually warmer this morning on Mars than it was here in Ontario. Yeah, I was uh, taking a quick peek at places I could go that were warmer. Uh, in the running um, was uh, 
Antarctica was an option. Oh. Uh, that's, only yeah, negative that's 20 degrees. Only negative 20 degrees in Antarctica currently. Hmm. You know it's cold when the Toronto Zoo brings the penguins indoors. <laughs> that's when it's bad news for sure. Um what isn't cold, though, is the uh, the government pricing plan for weed here in Canada. A little bit of a shit segue, but that's it's 2018. Let us warm up here. I love um, what you did there, and I, don't doubt it. Run with it. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. The government of Canada is pegging the price of weed by the gram at around 10 bucks. And pegging not, is the right word. It is. It is indeed. I mean, it, it's 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 when I read that, I, I just I had a nice little kickback to like, my early years of smoking weed back in high school and paying, you know, Jimmy's older brother, Todd, some sketchy sleazebag who like drove a, I don't know, rusted out Toyota Corolla, 25 bucks or 20 bucks for, a, you know, a little bag, a little dime bag of skag that was approximately one gram. And how far we've come in this, in this brave nation that very soon I'll be able to grab, uh, you know, a nice fluffy, nice fluffy uh, 10 piece for 10 bucks. How do you feel about that price point, Andy? I think feel great about it. Feel real good now, about it. Now, what do you think about if you're purchasing in volume? I mean, do you think that there should be a volume discount or you think that would encourage overconsumption? Uh, I mean, that's an insane conversation for this podcast because you should be able to buy as much damn weed as you like. And, um, you know, most, I mean, most dispensaries right now are offering price breaks uh, similar along the lines of what your friendly neighborhood dealer <laughs> or plug or whatever they're called these days will do. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, I think the, it's funny watching that kind of universal pricing <laughs> start becoming adopted by like the official government plan. They're like, ah, drug dealers have been doing like this for years. We should, we should go ahead and build that into our pricing model. It's pretty, pretty humorous. Yeah, you know, I to me, I'm I'm kind of on the fence of it about it um, because you know traditionally, you, when you're looking at ten dollars a gram, you go, "What's your next question?" You you ask, "How much is it for a gram?" What's your next question? Uh, what, how much for a half? How much? How for much a half? for a half quarter? That's, right? I, I, I'm a I'm a buy by the gram kind of fella, so right. So uh, for them, it, they're going they're going straight at it, and I get it because it keeps it simple and all that type of of things. Um, and the $10 a gram is kind of like a tipping point, right? Because what's interesting is if they sell it below $10 a gram, they will definitely eliminate the black market. Yeah. And they can with volume. We know, we know they're going to be doing volume because of the demand that's out there and the fact that they will be the one legal channel. Um, yes. And what's interesting is if At they least go in the, above, in the in certain the provinces that are that are uh, making it government only, not non privatized, like BC and, and Alberta will be a different story. But but yeah, Ontario and pretty much everywhere. Yeah, just else, just yeah. talking about Ontario. Sure, so sure. In terms of going above ten dollars a gram, then you're kind of encouraging the black market to stay around because uh, it's now not just the the only option; it's now a more cost effective option, and not doing scaling um, for quantity. I think that 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 dangerously encourages the black market too. If that's what your goal is to stamp out the black market, and I got I have nothing against your friendly neighborhood dealer. I don't see any reason why, uh, you know, my buddy Todd that has a bunch of plants can't grow me some. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting how they do that because inside the law as well, we have that allowance to grow a certain a number of plants yourself. So, mm. like, am I able to give my good buddy Andy, uh, you know, uh 
uh, some of my my fine fine herb that I've cultivated. Can he can he pay me to grow a couple for him? I'm growing four plants, so I can have a couple more. Can he finance that? So those those kind of nuances they're going to be interesting how they shake out. Yeah, I mean you know it's no different than for example if I'm brewing some wine in my basement. And then I go to sell it to you. Now we're crossing into this kind of gray area of uh, distribution and sales and, um, you know, uh, that kind of space that, that really they've been solving issues for for a very long time. And, and so I think that this just more directly has a correlation with, with stamping out those more significant secondary sellers. I, I don't, honestly don't think there's going to be any sort of enforcement on the, on the personal kind of peer-to-peer level or consumer-to-consumer level. But yeah, I mean, for sure, if the government can keep up their, their supply in the province of Ontario at 10 bucks a gram, hey, I'm in, man. I am in for a little bit of that government weed. Boom. There you go. Boom. There you go. Now, that is to say if the conservatives aren't going to be huge bummers and hold up the legalization of cannabis until the end of the year, which they very well might be. There's actually a really important bill that they're voting on at the end of this month, which has to do with regulations around consuming cannabis and driving and stuff like that. That if it doesn't get sorted out, is going to hold up this whole thing well beyond July of this year when we're supposed to be getting legal weed. So. Uh, here, fingers crossed, if you're a conservative out there, uh, you know, member of parliament, and you're going to be voting on anything in the near future, just remember you know, your old pal Andy is telling you not to be a big old bummer. What Andy's saying is, come on. Come on, man. Come, come on. on. Come on. Really? Come on. Can, can be cool for once? Yeah, come on. It, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy, man. Like, and there's, there's so much going on in the space of, uh, space of legal green at this point, but, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm excited and, and, and really there's a lot of anticipation here. I think it's just going to be cool. I think there's going to be so many great businesses that come out of the legalization of cannabis in Canada. I can't wait for the culinary experiences. I can't wait for the, you know, um, the immersive experiences of like cannabis cafes and stuff like that. We've already got a little bit of that here, but once it really goes mainstream, it's just, it's just going to be cool. You know, it's just going to be cool. And I I think just let it be a gentle subset of the things that we enjoy. Like it's, it's not gonna, it's not gonna change everybody's life. Um, but it'll be, I think a piece of, of, of our world that does a little bit of good for tons of people. And, uh, that good turns into delicious tax money to do great things with. So everybody wins. That's what oh, I yeah. say, Andy. Rubbing out the national debt. Rubbing one out. You're on. You're horny for this podcast, I my mean, friend. You're going the hot new for year. it. <laughs> it's the new year. We're here, and we're keen. Okay. <laughs> this episode of Purple Dungeon Squid is brought to you by Weed and Video Games. 2018 starting off strong with no sponsors. Uh, looking forward to uh, being sponsored at some point in the future. Until then, this episode is brought to you by New Year's Resolutions. Because you break them or they break you. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, brought to you by something that's totally cute. That's so cute. It's so, so adorable. Cute. It's fluffy. Yeah. Uh, humidifiers full of ether. Are you sleepy? <laughs> I'm sleepy. I'm just... I'm... <laughs> uh, brought to you by red-breasted birds. Hey there, fella. <laughs> what kind of birds are we talking about? Am I right? Am I right? Am I right? Obvious puns. See red-breasted birds. And finally, brought to you you by Schenectady, New York. The only place with a funnier name than Tallahassee, am I right, fellas? Uh, I would say, I don't know, man. Tallahassee sounds a little funnier to me. You like that? Schenectady? I don't know, buddy. That's a tough sell. Schenectady. 
You ever been to Schenectady? Uh, never been there. If you're from Schenectady, go ahead and, uh, well, specifically, if you're from Schenectady and would like to sponsor the show, feel free to email us at purpledungeonsquid at gmail.com. Until hey, Andy, then, I, was in, I was in Schenectady once. Uh, bad cell phone uh, reception down there. I got disconnectedy. Until then, you'll have to put up with all of this nonsense. It'll never stop. I'll never stop. Oh, goodness. So, listen, man. If my last name was Sessions, you'd think I was a pretty chill dude, wouldn't you? You'd relax a little bit. Yeah, come on down for a session with Sessions. You know what I'm saying? I feel like Jeff Sessions had the absolute biggest opportunity to be the world's coolest guy. Or at least the world's coolest dad. You know what I mean? It was there. It was set up for him. And um, instead of that, Jeff Sessions decided he was going to be a real unchilled dick. So, um, you know, we, we our, our headline topic here today, we're going to talk about some 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 crazy German folks. I think they were German anyway. Bootlegging the switch. Uh, but, you know, earlier today, I read an article on MJ Biz talking about how Jeff Sessions has gone ahead and rescinded an Obama era memo. What is what is the what is the name of it? The. Uh, the coal memo or something like that. Um, That's right. Yeah, which is a, which is a federal stance to not interfere with the uh, with the uh, state level law enforcement and prosecution of marijuana industries. Um, so basically, not not cracking down on state legal marijuana businesses. Uh, and so yeah, Jeff Sessions was like, "Nah, dog. Now nah, we're taking that right off the table." Um, and everybody in the you know industry that, for example, California is projecting to be about a five point seven billion dollar industry in the cannabis space in uh, in 20, 2018 alone. Um, understandably, some people are a little concerned. It's not the coolest thing that's ever happened, that's for sure. It's nuts uh, because you look at the Republicans' ethos, what they believe, and what they believe in is states' rights, which means. Uh, you know, limited government in the sense that the states can decide a lot of their business. You know, if it's not the mail and the army, which the federal side should take care of, and you know the the distribution of currency, um, then you know the states should get decide. And the states have decided and are deciding. They've gone ahead and and rescinded the direction to the DOJ, the Department of Justice, to to stay out of it, doubling down on the on you know the Republican stance of being pro business. The only person this hurts is. The businesses that were gearing up to work in the green space are now slightly less comfortable. Um, yeah. What I and love, now though, less access to like you know important capital and right, you know, institutional money and things that businesses that should be thriving and are wiping out state debt should actually you know have access to. It's just it's a real and the thing is it's such a PR move, man. Like it's such yes. a. It's such a desperate flailing. Like there's, I mean, I personally don't believe I'm not an attorney. So if you're in the you know cannabis industry in California, find your own legal advice than the you know the <laughs> the crack team over here at the Purple Dungeon Squid uh, podcast. But like, come on, man. Like if if you're in that space, ah, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that it, it's it's pretty clear that the states are for it, and I don't think we're gonna see a whole lot of federal prosecutors in states that are legalized going after you know legitimate businesses. Yeah, you're right on that. And, you know, the the legal opinion on this one is is that, hey, this is just for show. Proceed, proceed cautiously, but proceed because, you know, it's not going to come to anything. Um, and what's interesting is it's kind of a galvanizing moment. And I, this is what Jeff Jeffrey, Mr. Jeffrey Beauregard Sessions, Mr. I think Jeffrey Beauregard, Beauregard Sessions. Sessions doesn't yes. realize 
is it it further galvanizes the folks that kind of might think that the weed uh, sort of pushes over. Um, there's still some opposition to it, and it's it's nuts to do so, but it's it's going to bring those people off their hackles and make sure they're still voting, um, you know, along the lines of what to get what they're what they're looking for. What really steams me about this, Jeffrey and Jeff, I know you listen to the podcast. Uh, He's a regular you promised, you promised at your uh, at your initial um, uh, swearing in. Uh, I forget what they call them. It's before they swear them in. They they do some conversation with uh, the nominees. Uh, He's it's, a, a, it's a conjugal visit with Donald Trump, I believe. It's oh, oh, I shudder to think about it. Donald Trump's soft, shitty body. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, uh so uh, th- he promised that he would not interfere, and uh, and he went ahead and did that. And it's uh, it's a weak move, sir. It's a weak yeah, move. Uh, I do so declare, I do impugn and besmirch your good name. Yeah. Well, just get at him on his PSN handle. The big coitus 606, um, you know, go, go smash him down in Fortnite or something. I like this fucking Jeff sessions, man. Just be chill, bro. Just get in there. Be chill. This guy, I, this guy needs a doink. Like nobody has ever needed a doink. Oh man. And you know, he's, he's about to be talking about, uh, you know, you can almost hear it coming out of his mouth. Uh, oh, we can't have them smoking the cannabis. They'll be cavorting, uh, doing the lily hop and like, calm down. Calm it's down. not. It's not the fi- the fifties, sir. No, despite what your haircut would have us believe. <laughs> yeah, man, that is just yeah, uh, fuck that. And then the best part is, is a couple hours later, Vermont legalized recreation voted to rec- or, uh, legalize recreational weed. So it's like, yeah, I don't can know, you Jeff. Believe? Can you even imagine the DEA uh, at its current staffing levels trying to enforce a pot prohibition across the entirety of the United States or even <laughs> the states that like like. Uh, like if you're smart, you you focus the DOJ, uh, the DEA, uh, at the uh, and the F, uh, the uh, Department of uh, Fire and Firearms and Tobacco at stopping the interstate um, movement of pot, which is currently still federally legal uh, between legalized and non-legalized states. Fill your boots. There's more cash and green to snag uh, going that way, you know, at real bootleggers than trying to go after and shake. The cage of uh, rattle the the boats of the uh, the legal states. That's just nuts. That's yeah. That's that's psychotic, man. And can you imagine? Like it's you know a bunch of DEA agents are rolling out to the field, and the question is, where are you guys? Who are you guys hitting today? Oh, we're going after some weed dealers. You're like, oh, oh man. nice, cool. Well, Stop at got, the farmers market on your way, bro. Oregon has some good ones. Yeah, they got they got hot and heavy for weed over the last fifty years. And you know, speaking to law enforcement. Um, I've heard two things. One, um, I've heard, hey, do you know how stoked I am to not have to deal with pot anymore, to write kids up for joints and whatnot um, as a schedule one narcotic, you know, alongside cocaine and methamphetamine? Uh, they're jacked for that. But, you know, the other side and, um, you know, I understand this as a police tool. I don't agree with it, but they go, you know, uh, marijuana is a good wedge for us to get in and ask other questions. Sure. Um, and as probable cause, and I get, hey, sounds real, the, consti- super constitutional. Well, all the power to all the police. It's a hard job. I sure. couldn't do it. Um, you know, uh, God bless everybody who puts on the badge and is a good guy all day. Um, but you know, just focus on uh, on on like, uh, no, that that sounded preachy. You know, let's let let's let the weed thing go because it it does way more harm than it 
does good as a tool for law enforcement. In my yeah. humble, dank Dan opinion. And I mean, you know, coming from a weed podcast, certainly an objective opinion. Yeah, so surprised that I would take that stance. <laughs> I'm going to go on an ledge here and say, stop it. Yeah, well, I mean, it's just funny, man. We're going to see all sorts of this weird turbulence as we head on to the, you know, the the global, let's call it, legalization of weed, because that's 100% the direction this is going. Um, and, you know, it's, it's just going to, there's just going to be some funny moments like this that, you know, kids will be reading about in a, in a history book at some point in the future. You know what? We still I, have you know books, what? maybe a history tablet or a history, yeah, history VR. History tablet. History VR, I love it. Um, actually, just just to put a put a fine point on that, that would be fucking sweet. Let me tell you, there was nothing drier than learning the history of Canada. But I'm pretty sure if I was like in a boat with all the fur trade motherfuckers, like rolling down the Hudson's Bay to sell some fur, I'd be learning a thing or two, and that would be some practical learning. Yeah, I think I think that the biggest roadblock to that is how racist those experiences would be. Like, if you even go back 100 years and you read stuff that gets written, they're just, by our common sensibilities, I'm like, oh, that's offensive. But they're just, they're just talking about it, you know, um, yeah. oh, no, that's, uh, just that's flippantly. Um, well, that, would, but, that would be a really, like, how would you, like, in a visual way, if you're, like, creating a simulation, a video game, let's call it. Because let's be real, learning about all this shit in, like, an immersive video game, way cooler than reading about it in a textbook and listening to it from, you know, a 45 year old balding male. But, um, yeah, how would you, how would you frame it in a way where you're in the experience, but you're not glorifying some of the really unacceptable shit that humanity's gotten up to over the last hundred years plus, right? Yeah. You know, I think you look at a lot of it as not good or bad, but just a representation of where we were as people at the time, where our values were and, and what our, what our motives were. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, it, you give it enough time, it's no longer shocking. Like when people talk about, um, recent genocides, it, it's very delicate, obviously for all the reasons that, that that's true. But you go back to, and talk about, um, the millions of people that Genghis Khan and the, the Kublai Khan, uh, slaughtered in China. Nobody's like, oh, whoa, easy, bro. You know, it, too soon. Like it's just give it enough time then it just becomes an interesting relic of our history um, and, and yeah. no longer has that has that that tone and that that sort of uh, sensitivity attached to it um i wonder how long uh how far forward we have to go before you know uh, our our own humble beginnings uh, uh of uh, north america have that sort of distance where they can be taught objectively yeah, that's a really interesting point, man. Really interesting point. But I know that it could be done better with video games. That's all I'm saying. I feel like Absolutely. being I feel like being there, man, I'm just thinking about it. If if the whole of the whole of education was taught through like simulators and stuff, like how fucking cool would that be? How much more I would, I would, would happily I would still be trap in school right now <laughs> in VR. Know? Yeah, that's crazy. Wow. Do you know what there I mean? Mm -hmm. well, I feel like uh, life used to be more exciting, you know, you take Canada, wolves at the door used to literally mean there are wolves outside your door. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. We want to teach the origin of the of some of these expressions. There'd be some. There'd be some colorful VRs. That's for sure. Yes, um, sir. So listen, I'm excited about my Switch. Uh, really interesting though. So, you know, I mean, pretty much every console that's ever come out. You know, I remember back when the original Xbox was was hitting the scene, and and we were hearing about people modding their Xbox so they could play, you know, dark CD 
bootleg copies of video games. That stuff's been going on for just about ever. Um, and it's so weird because the world we live in right now, especially with, with downloadable content being what it is, in other words, most of the games that I purchase these days are purchased through, you know, uh, through the actual Nintendo store, or through the, you know, the PlayStation store. And it's not that different from the experience of downloading something illegally and participating in it that way, right? And so, you know, there, recently, I guess I should get to the point here. Recently, um, the Switch was demonstrated as to have been hacked. What is this? At the a hacking conference in Germany? Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So they, they managed to access the console's inner, inner guts and install some code via... Um, what it was uh, like a I'm so bad at this technical shit. You're the one with the computer science degree. I don't know. Like it's some sort of backdoor through a graphics chip or something yeah, one like of that. The, one of the firmware versions has a vulnerability uh, 3.1. Um, and uh, I remember reading it. I, I'm not recalling it off the top of my head. Um, uh, they uh, it was the Tegra X1 NVIDIA chip. Um, and I believe they're able, you know, the whole goal, if you want to get total control is you need to find a vulnerability that lets you at the kernel, which is like uh, the uh, base background operations is running everything. It's uh, sort of the core of the programming that everything's sort of built on, um, uh, for lack colonel. of a better description. Uh, colonel the Sanders. old Colonel. Colonel exactly. Sanders. I'm a pleasant mix of 26 codes and spices. Oh, man, I like when you take my, my technical explanation and start thinking about fried chicken. I, I don't or, know how to yeah. bring you back now. Just having a seizure of words is what I was experiencing there. Go ahead. That's what happens when my brain gets bored with something. Like when I'm hearing an overly technical uh, explanation, I just it, it immediately goes to how can I just fill my brain with bullshit so I won't have to think about this. You know what? I like that. You just start thinking about pretty pretty things you might purchase. Maybe a a, a fun puppy. A fun puppy. Those are fun. Much more fun than kernels. But yeah, man, I mean, you're, you know, your point is well taken. Um, these, these really, I'm sure, quite brilliant folks managed to, you know, to, to break in. And it was largely a technical exercise for a couple reasons, because uh, they broke in on an older firmware version. So the current version of the Nintendo Switch doesn't have the same vulnerability. Uh, but what it means is that, you know, because they, they can demonstrate this ability to break into the kernel, it, it kind of shortens the runway of time before the odds are that we'll see someone who's successfully cracked, you know, a version of, of the switch in a way that, you know, all those, all those kind of somewhat unfortunate internet forums and sketchy dark corners open up for people to begin, you know, swapping, uh, game files and, and, um, you know, downloads and, and pretty soon you've got a pretty robust subculture of people who are pirating and bootlegging just about every, you know, creative property that comes out on the Nintendo switch and using it effectively as like a, you know, a, 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 a piratey piece of software, a, a piece of hardware. And so, it's it's interesting. It's an interesting technical exploit. Um, let me let me ask you, Dan. What do you think about this kind of like exhibition? Is it a dick move to just sit up in front of a room and and hack into someone's console and be like, check it out, we hacked into it? Like, is that is that a dick move? Well, whose console are you hacking into? I mean, okay, so you, this is a conversation about ownership, right? Is that where you're, where you're getting at? Well, let me ask you a question again. Whose console is it? Uh, is console, it my console or does Nintendo own it? Right. So let's, I mean, 
it's a moot, but sure, the, it's the, the hacker's console. Hey, hey, my sexy friend, let me get down to the sexy point with you cracking it, without you cracking it open for me. Let me get to it. All right, that's fine. Let me let me warm your egg. It's oh, his console. Oh, so sweet. It's, it's exactly right. So this is what I what gets me is, is you know, is piracy, for the purpose of piracy, is that a great thing? No, I don't. I think that I think that hurts developers and it, it hurts the industry. So I'm not for, for the wholesale piracy um you know of of these uh of consoles or really anything um but i believe that i it's my device and i should be able to do a certain latitude uh, or have a certain latitude over the device you know i i'm an iphone guy uh foolishly because it's so easy and it's it's so accessible i love it for so many things but it really grinds my gears how locked down it is because i feel like i should be able to it's my device i should be able to do with it as i please so you know what I what I like about uh, um, what I like about these hackers is um, just getting control over the device to be able to do a litany of things that aren't you know play hacked games, um, and that that that's kind of where where I come down on. What do you think, Andy? Yeah, no, I, no, you're you know what? I, let, let me roll back. You're absolutely correct on that, and I know that for example, a lot of the conversation is around air quotes homebrew stuff, and homebrew stuff is the ability for um, people to develop anything as, you know, from, from as, anything as simple as like a skin, you know, a different way of, of skinning the Nintendo Switch interface, user interface, um, so that, you know, you could have like whatever. You wanted a Hello Kitty skin, you don't have to wait for Nintendo to design it and sell it to you. You can go ahead and design and use it yourself. You don't, you know, you, homebrew can be um, interesting applications. It can be technical demos. It could, it could theoretically, I imagine, be full games that people have just developed independently and want to be able to distribute on that platform um, without being officially, you know, condoned by Nintendo. Um, the, the challenge is always that you know that, yes, all of those things are a possibility. And the reason that people generally want to see someone successfully hack a console like this is so that they can go ahead and download Breath of the Wild without paying a, a penny. Um, you know, and that's it just it always feels a little gross as we get closer to that to that 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 moment, you know? Yeah, I know what you mean, um, because like you said, it, it makes it harder um, for uh, publishers and, and game developers to, to justify making and, and pouring a bunch of money into a game. And, and really the people it hurts the most isn't the big guys um, because no. uh, the online play will very often limit the, the, the hacking. And they, they have more cash um, you know, uh, than the hackers can take away from them. But it's the little guys um, yeah. where you know, 100 grand makes a huge difference, um, you know, to them. And, you know, for me, it's not all, it's not all about the hacked games. I remember the thing that ticked me off the most about, uh, my PlayStation three is that it wouldn't play certain video files. Um, just because they decided they didn't like those video files. They wanted sure. to use these things and there was no technical limitation. They just chose. And whenever there's the, I think you remember maybe the iPhone used to not support flash because yes. they, they it still doesn't, doesn't it? They were no, they do. Um, okay, uh, they were competitor with Flash. That just ticked me off because don't don't pit me against companies you don't like. You know, you you guys deal with that by making a better product. Don't disable stuff. Um, yeah. You know that that always ground my gears. And we'd be able to see things more. Like if if the uh, iPhone was open, we'd be able to have, would have been able to detect the fact that they were programming their phones to once the batteries got to a certain age to slow them down, have them hit the brick wall. And for whatever reason, whether that's a valid reason or not a valid reason, 
I should be able to see that. I don't like being in the dark. You might, you may be noticing that. Yeah, and I get that, man. And it's, you know, it, it doesn't particularly affect me so much because I'm not the type to deep dive on my peripherals. You know, they kind yeah. of do what I want them to do. And I, you know, I don't spend a whole lot of time modifying or otherwise trying to understand them because I feel like I want to do other things with my life. But, you know, I mean, I will say one thing that has affected me is, is, um, you know, the, the world of hacking and, uh, sorry, I shouldn't, no, not the world of hacking, the world of pirated software. Um, right. And I, I mean to say this in that, A, um, you know, it is really disconcerting that I know no matter what's the size of the developer, oftentimes the day a game is released, you know, you can find it on the internet somewhere for free download to your device. And that just, to me, just seems super unfair, right? It just seems like just, 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 it just it bothers me at some level and and I, I don't I don't love to see it and then the other side of that is it's challenging right now and it, it's kind of worrisome because you know prior to um, our digital download era most of the games that I purchased and that we purchased were on CDs right on discs and there was a very tangible retail experience. You went to the GameStop or the EB or whatever, and you bought the game, and you brought it home, and it had a manual, and you popped it in the tray, and it went in the machine, and and there was you know a sense of ownership. I still like seeing physical copies on the shelf, even though I don't buy them very often. But the the actual experience of pirating software, right? feels very much like the experience of downloading software from the PlayStation Store. It's the same retail experience. And the reason that worries me is because, you know, being so far removed from the experience of going to a store and buying a, a CD or whatever, I feel like, you know, that there was so much inconvenience around, um, around the the way in which you had to pirate software in the olden days, let's call it, that it wasn't such a, perhaps wasn't such a prolific thing, didn't happen as often. But now, because it's just so close to the experience of, you know, buying something legitimately from Sony and, and hitting the download button, I just, I worry that it's going to become super, super commonplace for these um, systems that are already built with, you know, SD cards in mind and installing things to, you know, 128 gigabyte SD cards, your games are already going there. It's just a very small variation to be downloading it illegally and putting it in the same place. I just, I, I feel like it, it doesn't, doesn't bode well for the way that we, you know, we, we consume content now and the publishers that, and, and producers that, that make those, those, uh, those games. You know, I know what you mean. And I have this thought that the guys that are that are and, and gals that are going to hack, they're always going to be the minority because it takes a, a you know you have to be a little bit of a renegade because you're taking sort of the risk of breaking your system, um, and you have to dig into it and and you know really have a willingness. So I, you know I can never sort of see it being more than sort of one in ten. That's probably you know even less. Um, so I always think it's going to be that subset, and those people are always going to gravitate to the more. Uh, open source devices, whether it be your PC or your Android devices. Uh, the big one back in the day was um, Xbox. Uh, I, my hacked Xbox was such a joy, and it wasn't because I was playing uh, pirated Xbox games. It was the thousands of ROMs that I had loaded up for you know, uh, Nintendo uh, and other old consoles that, in my mind, whether this is a legal statute or not, were kind of more into the public space. You know, I was never going to buy them. That window had sort of closed. 
It's so that's that's so funny, isn't it? Like, and I myself hold the same kind of in the back of my mind tenant because, you know, Nintendo's. I mean, to my knowledge, that actually I should retract that they are making money. I'm sure on Super Mario World through downloads in other stores or whatever. But for some reason, it just feels like if you download a ROM of Super Mario World, it ain't a big deal. No problem. Yeah, well, and I'm I'm uh, I go by this too. If I've ever purchased a game. That's my game. So the fact that you know I'm playing Super Mario World on my Xbox, that that's my, mine to do whatever I want with. And that you know that's one of the things that sort of gets me too with the whole digital thing is you don't really own it because Andy, I can't give it to you. So I don't own it. I rent it from them. And one yeah. of the things that keeps getting brought brought up, and I don't want to take us too far down the garden path, is what happens to my digital rights when I die? Because people now have music collections on iTunes and and Steam collections that are worth thousands of dollars. And, you know, they really need to be able to be, if, if it's it's only owned by me, if I can pass it on. Because otherwise I'm just yeah. kind of borrowing it, right? Yeah, it's fascinating. And like, again, it, it's, it's such a cycle. Because I tell myself, you know what, I should just, like almost every time I buy a game, it's like I should just go and buy it from the retail store, right? I should just have a physical copy. Because I like having a physical copy. I bought Persona um, on a, you know, a PSN sale or whatever, a PlayStation store sale um, for like whatever, 25, 30% less. I didn't buy it from the store because it wasn't marked down uh, to that same level. But now I just feel shitty about it. I wish I had the physical copy and I probably would have spent the extra $10 to have it. So it's like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm really starting to agree with you. It's feeling like I have this PlayStation that's loaded up with, you know, hundreds of gigabytes worth of games and i don't really own any of them it's it's something that um <clears throat> you know my deep-seated sort of paranoia is there's an effort to slowly change what you get for your money whether it's um you know the fear that i'm paying for a full game but the real full game is locked behind a dlc or the real full game is locked behind a loot box or the idea that i own the witcher 3 it's I don't really own it. I I own it in the sense it can be on my one PlayStation and, you know, I can't lend it out. I can't do any of those things. And maybe that's maybe that's just a thing of the past and I need to let it go. But it's something that's that's cool. It's part of the game experiences. You know, I flip you Street Fighter and you you flip me Metal Gear. And, and that that's that's something that makes friends. Like, did you did you ever have, uh, you know, a friend that came out of you met an acquaintance, whether it was in elementary school or whatever, that you guys were both PlayStation guys and you traded games. Sure, and of course. That's where the friendships. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, of course. You know, man, of course. And, and you, you, you bond community. over that because you're playing my game, I'm playing your game, and we can talk about our experiences as we Builds go through. That trust. Yep. There you so, go. So, uh, Andy, can I tell you a, a painful moment in my past? Uh, yeah, please do. Lay it on me. So, when I was in uh, when I was in elementary school, let's call it grade five. Not sure. I uh, I had uh, James Bond. Uh, 007 for the the Gold Knight for 64. Oh, Gold and I classic. Love the game. Had beaten it up and down. Even all the 00 agent levels destroyed it. And uh, a kid on my bus uh, knew about this, and uh, he asked me, "Hey man, like, can I borrow your your 64, your Gold Knight?" And I I was like kind of reticent, but I was like, "Yeah, sure." I I, I let him borrow it, and little did I know, uh, when I the next day he wasn't on the bus. He wasn't on the bus the next day either. His family had no. up and moved in the no. middle of the night, right? 
And I can't even imagine what kind of thing this kid's going through. You know, it's a t- obviously he's having a tough time in his life. But he had the foresight. Okay, he, one of two things happened. He borrowed my game, and he just happened to be moving in the middle of the night the next day. But I feel as though it was a planned strike. He's like, listen, I'm about to lose everything, but I'm going to get that that one point up. So I'm, I'm going to flip this thing in my favor. Listen, and, man, uh, you did you did that that young man a, a great service by providing him with gold and I. I mean, he may not even be have a, have been a tough time. Maybe his family won the lottery and moved to the Hamptons in the middle of the night. I don't I don't get that sensation, and uh, <laughs> that's, that's and it, it hurt me so deep. It, it deeply eroded my trust in my fellow man. But I did. I'd have to say I do regain it. I I, I have that trust back. Um, but you know, I begrudgingly bought that game again and beat all the levels on Double O Agent again, just out of principle. Yeah, I got that. I got oh, that. Uh, last thing on this hack thing, unless you have something else. Um, just out, it was uh, two days ago. Um, hacker teams have such great names. Uh, the hacker team Executor, um, oh. they went ahead and doubled down on the team from Germany's move uh, on the firmware 3.0, the exploit, um, and said they have a definitive hack solution that will work in any firmware and can that can never be fixed by Nintendo software updates, and they'll be releasing it in the spring. That's awful. And you know what? If what it does is turns my Switch into a Swiss Army knife that does a ton of cool things, gotta tell you, Andy, I'm, I'm, I'm the A category. Here's the thing, though. There's so many damn systems that'll do that now. Like, you can go out and get a PSP. I don't think you can even buy, like, a legit... You, you can't, because, I mean, it's all obviously secondary market now because the Vita's been out forever. Um, but you can, I don't think you can find a PSP out there that isn't hacked. And that They're all do, tainted, my man. It, dude, it'll do anything for you. It'll, <laughs> it'll play your movies. Like, that, that thing is, that thing is a, an all-in-one Swiss Army knife. I just want this, this Switch to be pure. I just want it to be pure. I just want every game that sits on its pretty little shelf to be, you know, because there's something that's lost for me. If I'm buying something and fuck if I know someone else is getting it for free. Like I, I know that that's wrong and I know that that's something I just got to get over, but damn it. It just makes it, it just cheapens the value of that product that I'm buying. Maybe that's fucking crazy. It probably is, but you know what I mean? Yeah, I get you, buddy. I get you, buddy. It's, um, it's one of those things either, uh, you stay high and dry and you get the, uh, you get the more moral fortitude of being the guy with the, the hack system. You get down in the mud with us pigs, buddy. Oh, okay. And play some Street Fighter on an X-Hacked Xbox One to everybody's total fear. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm, I'm you doing do a Hadouken, it. you piece of garbage. You question me. Dan, um, you played a game that I'm really excited to hear about. I've been wanting to play this game since it was uh, just releasing, which was about three years ago, I want to say. Um, and it, it combines some elements that I find titillating. So, uh, Crypt of the Necrodancer, talk to me about it. Now, have you ever been deep in a dungeon and you know i have you know it's it's dire it's dark it's dangerous and you thought to yourself this would be more fun if that minotaur was dropping a beat i'd say yes well crypt of the necrodancer has come and saved the day providing that experience it this is a game uh that melds two completely disparate uh you know uh game designs we have are procedurally generated top-down roguelike, um, similar to Angband or uh, what's another one that people play? What's another roguelike? That, that uh, the one with the scary baby that everyone likes that just freaks me out. What the hell? Binding of Isaac. 
Finding of Isaac. Great. There's a whole family of games. I'm a giant fan. Um, and a rhythm game. Mm. So um, you Such get a dropped. a fan, you could only name one. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I'm well, sorry. You know, I played so much, so much uh, Ang Band, and anyone who's super old school um, Unix-based gamers, they're cheering in the background. Some of our old school gamer friends are, are definitely loving it. Ang Band is cripplingly hard, and this game, this game, the the roguelike element is hard, but not not oppressively hard. But what they've added in is this rhythm game where every level has a song, and the song has a bass beat, and every one moves on each base beat, the enemies and you. And uh, if you move off time poorly enough, you actually don't get to move that turn. Um, so you're paying attention to what's going on around you strategically and to the beat of the game. And I have to tell you, the first time I went, I, I waded into this, these waters when the game was first released, I found that incredibly char- challenging because yeah. it's like I'm trying to make tactical decisions um, and trying to get my groove on and those parts of my brain don't normally you know speak they don't normally when I'm at, touch each other no totally when, when i'm at the club i'm not typically trying to you know fend off a beholder usually not usually. always we've been there gentlemen yeah uh, <laughs> with all with all of our clubbing lately um you know i, I can i can definitively uh dan I, I gotta ask you so were you playing this by yourself or were you playing with a friend so the first time around it was just me and i gotta tell you i played for about five minutes i was like nope too much but uh this christmas i my little brother was over for two days straight and we dumped a solid 16 hours into crypto the next oh so you did you did play co-op nice and i was so surprised we actually dropped to the good old google and looked up great co-op couch co-op games and it hit the list i was like how is this thing co-op? And it's it's pretty great um, because it you know it's great to have a friend down there uh, to dance with uh, while you <laughs> devastate, but also it adds this extra dilemma because you're moving at the same time. So if you're not a little bit coordinated, you'll bump into each other and uh, mm. you know cause some tactical issues. Because you, you uh, sorry, I want to understand that you only move on the baseline. So for example, you're you're delving the dungeon. There's like and are all the monsters moving on the beat too? Everybody is. So um, the Monsters AI works in a couple different ways. Some of them move every beat. Some of them pause on a beat and then move on the next beat. Um, oh, so man. To sort of keep it interesting. So, um, for instance, it, you're, it, to give you an idea how the challenging of, challenge of balancing these two things uh, comes to bear, there's the first two enemies you uh, encounter, or let's go three, you've got the green slime. It just jumps up and down. It doesn't even attack. It doesn't even know you're there. The blue slime jumps between one square and another square, um, either horizontally or vertically. And then the bat moves uh, every other beat and also doesn't um, doesn't mind you. And as long as you're on an opposite square, the, the, the floor tiles have a gradient to them that make them look like a checkerboard. So there's kind of like it goes uh, shaded, solid, shaded, solid, shaded, solid. As long as you're on a shaded and that bat's on a solid, the next turn it won't hit you. Just a little mm. bit of really nitty gritty there for you. I got hit by so many blue slimes and it's only going between two things just because you got to get that move, attack, move, attack. Now, that said, there's also another cool element of this game, which is digging is a big part of this game because there are, most of the walls are diggable and you come equipped with a shovel. So you can kind of come at rooms at, uh, on unique directions, find secret rooms, and get one of the game's currencies, which is crystals, I think they're called. They're gems of some kind. Um, with, along with gold are your two currencies. You get gold for eliminating uh, enemies, and crystals appear 
as a special pickup. Now, uh, one of the, the way the games rewards you for being on beat, if you keep a beat chain together and defeat enemies, you can get up to four times gold dropping by maintaining that beat. Um, oh, you know, so I'm I'm trying to hit that beat for the whole level to max out my gold to buy stuff from merchants that are in that level. Whereas mm. the gems actually let you buy and you get uh, more gems the more you uh, you the farther you make it because you have the opportunity to pick up more. I let you buy items that then will get shuffled into the item drops in the dungeon. So before I unlocked the rapier and paid four gems for it on the over screen the lobby if you will it wouldn't drop in the dungeon once i bought it it was kind of shuffled into the stack so it I might see. come out of a treasure chest uh you know it might come out of a, of a merchant so you're like you're seeding your experience and because it's a roguelike i imagine you're replaying the same level many times yes correct? there's yeah sorry go, go ahead. ahead no uh, there's there's four there's four basic worlds or dungeons each with three levels and a boss um you know so there that there's a lot of replaying especially for me the fourth dungeon um which is extremely challenging very 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 challenging bosses on this on this thing does it have a lot of replayability i'd say yes for a couple reasons um there is you start with a basic character that really has um no special skills just the standard moving and attacking digging whatnot um but as you play through the story you start to unlock um, a, a extra and different characters. So the first one Adam and or uh, Noah and I unlocked was uh, the uh, the mother character. Your your uh, your main character is her daughter. Her object is to make it through the levels without hurting anyone. She's the pacifist. So all she can do is stun enemies, and she's just trying to make it to the exit um, without getting killed by these hordes of, of monsters. Interesting. Um, and there are more and more characters that you can unlock. So there seems to be a ton of uh, replayability. And I got to say, the theme is this beautiful mix of silly serious. You got all your standard monsters, uh, you know, skeletons and, and knights and, and uh, golems and yetis and fire elementals. But they all have kind of a cool, silly uh, theme put over them because they're dancing, for one. Um, but like, for instance, one of the bosses is a, a heavy metal uh, Grim Reaper, and he, he sings falsetto threats at you. Uh, you fight uh, <laughs> like a incredible. six, yeah, like a, a five-piece band where all the uh, bosses are um, uh, instruments in the band, drums and guitars and saxophones. Um, it's, it really is a ton of fun and, and just uh, it hits that high watermark of just challenging enough that I can't, it, it's going to take a third sitting for me to finish that, that last level. Um, but not so hard that I'm like, nope. Yeah, I, that sounds really fun. Um, and it just kind of confirms my desire to play this game. It sounds awesome. I, I really saw so from what I understand, because again, when this game was coming out, I was really into, I, I was really thinking about picking it up. I jumped on the Reddit and was just reading what some of the community was talking about around the game. I understand a lot of people play it with a dance mat, like you would play with Dance Dance Revolution. Um, you didn't play with one of those, though, I imagine, right? That seems like insanity. That seems that's like, like hard the guy. Man. Yeah, that's the guy who um, beat Street Fighter with a fishing controller. 
Sure, sure. But like, I, I can see that one. I can see that, especially in a party of multiple people being ludicrously fun, like not the kind of oh, fun yeah. where you're seriously trying to conquer that game, but the kind of fun where and I mean, I, allegedly some people do on the regular with a dance dance mat. But these are also the same people that can play dance dance revolution. I don't have you ever played or tried to play dance dance revolution. That is not I leave that to more spry Asians than myself. I, I mean, listen, buddy, my feet are clomping around. I am literally the the least coordinated for that any person has ever been. And the thing is, is like, I feel like I'm getting in the groove and stepping on the buttons at the right time. And I'm just not, you know, you're like, oh yeah, I really hit that note. And you look on your screen, you're, you're like, no. And not only did I miss that note, I missed the 16 other notes around it. <laughs> so yeah, that, that is, it, it seems like that would be an exercise in frustration for me. And yet I really want to try it. I really want to jump into Crypt of the Necro Dancer with a dance mat. You have to let me know how you fare because this thing is beginner friendly in the sense that the concepts are easy to pick up. Uh, you know, the first dungeon does kind of walk you to it. it, it it's gentle in that way. Um, but the 420 friendly, I would say skip it on your first outing. Um, maybe your second or third revisit, you feel free to, uh, uh, to, to blaze it down because this game's a little bit challenging getting the fighting and the rhythm worked down because it's a little bit like rubbing your stomach and patting your head at the same time. Oh yeah. It takes a little practice that. to get those two elements going. Um, but, uh, you know, let, I like to see how you do. In fact, maybe we should, uh, maybe we should play this thing on Twitch. If yeah, if anybody wants to see Andy and, and I play this bad boy on a Twitch stream, uh, let us know, hit us up in the listener email. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that, that's, uh, that's like watching, you know, <laughs> two hippopotamuses try to waltz through, uh, through a marsh. I don't know. Oh buddy, I, I'm pretty <laughs> slick at this game. Just one hippopotami. Just one on hippopotami. This. I'm not even speaking to our uh, to our portly nature because we're we're not decidedly portly. I wouldn't say, but but just the like again the the idea of using like a mat and, and watching people play video games on that thing. It's just it blows my mind. I I just can't imagine my feet ever moving that fast in tandem with my brain. You know? Oh, it's impressive. It it's. It's something that all I can do is bow in reverence and enjoy from a distance. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. So my, uh, my big excitement over the, uh, over the holidays was, of course, picking up the Switch. And um, I want to tell you a little bit about it because the Switch is not a console that I was excited to pick up when it first came out. Uh, I picked up the Wii. I was never a giant Wii fan. It was all right, but the motion control thing, like that gimmick just didn't do it for me that much. I found it like entertaining as everyone else did when they were playing Wii bowling or Wii tennis or whatever, Wii, uh, Wii boxing in their living room when they first unboxed it. And then, you know, you get two hours into Zelda, Twilight Princess, and, you know, you're still using motion controls for shit like... I don't know, aiming your bow or whatever, you're having to point your remote at the screen and do that thing. None of that was appealing. That system had no longevity for me in any game that used anything but the most basic of control schemes like Mario and, and Luigi or whatever. Did, did you ever, like, were you a Let were me you tell a you, man, the Wii made me a liar and an asshole, and I'll explain to you why. What? When my, my dear father <laughs> first picked up an oh, NES yeah. controller and went to make Mario jump, you know what he did? You know, he did. He reefed the controller to the right as he hit the button, as if that would somehow ins uh, assist this uh, young Italian plumber to 
uh, traverse the pit and uh, oh, like gen- back in the day, back in the gently, day. On I was your- like, I was like, I was like, Dad, no, that's that doesn't do it. You don't have to move the controller like that. It's that you know. And as he continued to do it, I got more and more forceful. Dad, no, Dad, please, no, don't do it. Dad, you look, you look stupid. Dad, watch me now. Fast forward, the Wii gets to our house, and he's like, uh, Daniel, how do I, how do I uh, get this guy over here? I'm like, you have to, you have to, you have to wave, you have to move the controller. He's like, sorry, pardon. I'm like, you're gonna have to just wave the controller to the right. He's like. How the tables have turned, my friend. I'm like, don't do this. Don't do this to me. I'll just, oh, I just have to wave the controller hard like this. And I'm like, oh, I wish I was dead. That's incredible. It's so true. Like, I I think I had a similar experience with my own family where they're trying to play, you know, whatever Nintendo 64 or Sega Genesis or Super Nintendo game that uh, that was there at the time. And, um, you know, they're, uh, they're, they're, physically trying to manipulate the controller so funny when the Wii comes out and that ends up being exactly what the scenario is had no idea where you were going with that one but that's amazing um but yeah i mean like so you weren't a Wii fan either i take it i i played a little bit of Wii. it was cool i, I played a lot of Wii fitness and like honestly i played Wii fitness to like warm up before i went like jogging which oh. I, makes me feel like i'm a housewife or something right now like somebody's girlfriend but i would like I would uh, I'd uh, play some baseball or whatever. Just or to someone's get house boyfriend. Yeah, house man friend. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, it's it's a it was a system that that for me the gimmicks never made it potent enough, and the the catalog of games um, wasn't you know outside of your standard Mario Kart and whatever. I never found particularly ex- inspiring, right? Um, so no surprise that when the Wii U came out, I didn't pick it up. And when the Switch came out, I thought more of the same. But let me tell you, there are some really cool elements to the Switch that make it easily. And I, I've only I've got three games for it, pal. I've probably logged less than 20 hours on the Switch so far. And it's already easily my very favorite console of all time. And let me tell you why. Because... A, the controllers and the Joy-Con are, you know, they're just fine. There's there's multiple controller setups. There's kind of something for everybody. You can have, you can get the Pro, which is like a traditional Xbox or PS4 controller. Uh, you can use the Joy-Con, which can break apart almost like dual Wii remotes. Or, you know, you can stick them on a base and turn it into like kind of a weirder Nintendo Wii controller, but it still functions great. All of that's cool. All of the actual ergonomics around the system are, are airtight. But mobile mode... Is the is the game changer of game changers? It will like will literally increase my game playing by two hundred percent, and it looks amazing. So the ability anybody who's been living under a rock um, wouldn't know that the 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 switch can very easily be pulled off of its dock seamlessly in the middle of gameplay whenever you feel like it. You know you're halfway through a Mario Kart race, you want to change it into mobile mode, go ahead and pull it off. Of the, uh, of the dock and attach the Joy-Con and all of a sudden, bam, you're back in the game on mobile. It is like the most transcendent portable experience of all time. That I is think, slick. That is slick. Yeah, man. It's, it's like, I mean, I think I was talking about the 3DS a couple weeks ago and, you know, I really do love my, my portable gaming. It's, I find it enjoyable, but very rarely do I ever have the urge to, you know, pick it up when I'm around the house and not strictly on a mobile space. And never would I in my wildest dreams have thought that that would be the dominant way that I would want to play a console. But man, like the screen on the switch is sharp, it's crisp and the games that you're bringing, you know, with you are the triple a titles of the switch. They're your Mario odysseys or your, you know, the, the, this is, this is the first time I've ever had the unique secret sauce 
of a triple A title and a mobile, like a high resolution mobile experience in the same breath in this like beautiful lightweight package that feels really great in your hands and looks really, you know, sleek and, and beautiful. Uh, honestly, like it blew my mind and I am, it immediately clicked. Like this is, this is my system cause I can play this on the couch, which surprisingly is more comfortable than you just playing on a controller on your TV. I can play it in bed. I can play it on the go. If my kid's watching a Disney movie, I don't have to worry about not being able to play anything. I can just whip it out. It's game changer, game changer. Quite literally. And like this thing's got your name written all over it because you can choose such a litany of situations to play in. And uh, we've all been in a situation where our uh, familials want to use the TV or, you know, what have you, and you can relinquish it immediately. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, no, that's, exactly. that's a huge, that's a huge win. Man, can you imagine what your younger self would have done with that kind of power? Like your dad rolls down and he wants to watch Bob Vila on a Saturday oh, morning. Oh, oh, buddy, you're stringing my cords. Bob <laughs> Vila, the destroyer of worlds. Oh, uh, Bob yeah. Vila had a, a, had a little show called This Old House. And uh, your father, Don't or I maybe know it. your your industrial mother, uh, who's uh, you know into that, that kind of carpentry. If you want to watch some gentle lathing, or Bob Vila, you want to see uh, Bob Vila talk uh, to a, a man about putting up eaves for thirty two minutes. Mm, he's got your number. He's <laughs> yeah, got everything I, you need. You're just you're you're blissed out, you know, on the couch playing uh, whatever, playing your uh, Super Smash Brothers. And uh, all of a sudden, it's time to relinquish that, that comfortable spot for a little bit of this old house. You know what gets me, buddy? It's always said so matter-of-factly. Oh, I think uh, this old house is on. I'll just uh, put that right there. No! Too late, sucker. <laughs> Dad, uh, who, Whose house? Dad's house. Dad's house. <laughs> Dad's house. <laughs> he, always asks, uh, he always asks like a rhetorical question. Oh, I forgot. Uh, who pays for everything? I just, was it? No, is it you? No. Oh, no, it is. It is me. I, whoop. <laughs> you know what? It's great because I'm a dad now. I'm a mortgage payer. I'm a bill. I'm a bill decimator. Um, and uh, bill I, decimator. I, I conquer bills on I the daily. I conquer bills on the daily. I pay. <laughs> I pay those bills. And uh, you know, I'm I'm taking every liberty, every opportunity to exercise the same rights that our fathers exercised um, in my own home. It's I was like, as a child, I was like, I will never be that dick. And as a dad, I'm like, I am that dick. Andy, have you pulled the dad card yet on oh, your dude. sweet, sweet young children? I've pulled the dad card on everybody. Sometimes I find myself pulling the dad card at the office and I got to rein that in a bit. But it's, it's Actually, just, you know what? Come to think of it, You've dad carded me a couple times or attempted it. It gets into your blood, man. But uh, I digress. The, the, switch is, the switch is incredible. If you don't have one, um, make it your next priority for your, your gaming-related delight. Uh, it, is, it is just, I mean, I'm excited. I can play 100-plus hour games on the go. This, this will mean that Skyrim, I'm going to actually end up playing it. That's one of the games wow. I'm really looking forward to. Doom, I'm going to end up playing it. You know, Zelda Breath of the Wild, I've already dipped in, and I'll talk about it on another show, but... Man, I, I can see myself playing that game for a very long time. Uh, and it just, you know, it's the best, the gravy part is, it's all additional gaming time that I'm winning, that I'm gaining. It's not taking a chunk out of my newfound uh, need to play Persona 5 so that I don't have to cough up a full-priced game to you in July, you know? And, and you know what? The, the sales numbers agree with you. 
they're just they're uh, galloping. Um, I think the, I think the number was 10 million units sold. Um, 10 huge, million. Huge, yeah, I believe that's the number. Oh, huge man. number. And uh, one of the things that the analysts really expanded the breadth of what this this console could sell because they said it seems like this is being treated less like a console and more like a portable in the sense that they're seeing multiple purchases in a household. Mm. And that's huge. Yeah, man. I mean, my wife is up. And I just, I need to preface this by saying my wife is not a gamer. She likes games. She'll, she likes Mario's and, and Mario Kart, but she doesn't, she's never gone out of her way to play them when I'm not explicitly playing them too. Um, and she's upstairs right now playing, playing Mario on the Switch. God bless. I God just, bless. Mind blowing. Andy, who's your favorite Mario, buddy? Who's my favorite Mario? Like, uh, what, yeah. which, what version of Mario? I, yeah, I think that's a good way to go about it. Yeah, okay, that's a good, that's a good, uh, good question. Um, uh, like, I, listen, I'm a, sp- I'm a sucker for sprite-based games. Like, I love sprite animation. I'm a big fan of, like, pixel art and stuff like that. So I'd have to say Super Mario World Mario is, is my favorite. Um, but Mar- Super Mario Odyssey Mario is my favorite for a completely different reason. I think I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Um, but what about your favorite Mario? Um, yeah, I got to put it down to uh, Mario RPG Mario. And the reason is, is even in a role-playing game, Mario insists on being able on squashing Goombas in real time. And I, like I appreciate it. that. Yeah, I can get behind that. Mario Odyssey uh, has been covered from here to the moon and back um, about a million times on every gaming website and podcast known to man. And there's not a whole lot that I can say here that hasn't been said before other than to emphatically exclaim that it is by far and away the best Mario since Mario world um, of, of yeah, just, just bar none. It is, it has gotten me back into Mario in a way that I can't describe like full disclosure. Can I, can I disclose something to you, to you, Dan? Can I level with you here? Hit me. Mario 64 didn't fucking play it. Didn't like it. When the N64 really, out, yeah, I know, I, I know. I, I just it felt a little dirty saying it. And it um, even has the joy of being the privilege of being the, the the release title. So it gets that bump above all the other games because it's all you got. Yeah, well, I mean, here's the thing, and and again, another shameful admission. Although you know, I stand behind the game that I'm about to mention. But when I got my Nintendo 64 as a young lad. The game that I wanted to play was not Mario. It was Banjo-Kazooie. And I got to tell you, Banjo-Kazooie was an exceptional game. Really good game. I would play it again today. I'd play it right now, and I, I still can remember the music and the, and, the, and the novel hiding places of many a jigsaw piece. But Super Mario 64, I got the game. I tried to play it. The camera controls didn't do it for me. I didn't like this 3D world that Mario was in. And then I bought it again um, when the Nintendo DS came out, uh, the original, like the big bricky blue one. And I, I, at that point, I still couldn't get into it. And so my prospects for liking a 3D Mario platformer were pretty low. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't, it wasn't my expectations, despite all these really positive reviews, were not to, to really enjoy it. Right. What about yourself? Like, do you, are you are you stoked to play it? Was it something that uh, you wanted to get into? You know what? I was like middling interested. You know what I mean? Like, I I was looking at Breath of the Wild dead in the eyes, and if Mario wanted to come, yeah, you could jump on. Yeah, I felt the same way. I felt the same way. But Super Mario Odyssey has easily monopolized 
all of my time on the Switch. And don't get me wrong, Breath of the Wild is amazing and I'm enjoying that myself. Odyssey is a little easier for me to get in because I can play it with my wife. She loves it too. But, you know, just to, just to put a fine point on it, it's a 3D platformer that takes the best of, you know, Nintendo 64 era elements, your, you know, your best 3D platforming juice and smoothies it up with some modern sensibilities. You're seeing mm. Mario rendered in like high fidelity and the environments that are created are gorgeous. And it's like the, the graphic punch that this game has is super cool. Like you think of some of your favorite, we can, we can both agree, Mario has a pretty iconic look to their world design, right? Absolutely. What were some things you got in Mario? You got pipes? You got pipes, you got blocks, you got Goombas, you got stars, you got little mushroom men. Yeah, those are, these are, the, these are the, the elements of a Mario game. And they've managed to fold all of those elements into a world that feels both that classic video gamey Mario and also really charming, really actually beautiful. Like, I'll give you an example. Super Mario, or uh, Super Mario, what the hell was the name of it? Uh, Galaxy. Did you play it for the Wii? No. Okay, so Mario Galaxy did not capture me at all because it felt like they took the classic Mario um, uh, design, which is, you know, you've got a bunch of levels, right? You've got World 3-1, or you've got, you've got a bunch of disparate levels that are all trying to kind of create this feeling of, of you know, a cohesive world, but they're chunked up into little levels, right? Mario Galaxy took that a step further in which every galaxy, every planet, every level you were visiting just felt like this big puzzle box. You know, it didn't have any feeling of being a world. It just felt like a, like a puzzle that was meant to be, to be solved and completed, right? And that was interesting in its own right, but it didn't have any stickiness for me. It didn't have any charm that wanted to carry me back. With Super Mario Odyssey, you're traveling from planet to planet, and the planets are themed. This one's a water world. This one's a you know desert world, whatever it is. But they have character, man. They've got like, you know, you're not just seeing garden variety Goombas. You've got like interesting people that live in those zones. It feels a little bit more akin to, you know, like that that kind of Nintendo Zelda town charm. Do you know what I'm getting at here? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it, it feels a little bit more cohesive, like everything's strung together and there's like a, a line connecting them all. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 quite literally they've done a world building. They've done a world building layer above what Mario has been previously. And it just feels so awesome because I get that adventure game feel from it. In, in, in Super Mario Odyssey, you're jumping aboard what's called the Odyssey. It's like, a, it's like a flying airship that takes you from zone to zone, right? And it really feels almost like RPG-like, where I'm traveling across a world that has its own people and own places. And, you know, there's, there's the, the world map is a really strong choice. Every zone feels complete. The storylines that surface are interesting. You know, the, they're... they're, they're not super deep, but you go, for example, to the water world and Bowser has stolen their prized gown to, uh, you know, to forcibly marry Peach, <laughs> in, you know, so and much forced, forced wedding. It's in, yeah. in, in Mario. 
it's a little gross, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, I mean that, that in and of itself is really cool because you're not just defeating a, you know, a level for the sake of defeating a level. They just, they've gone the extra mile and, and have created some real personality and, and, and reason behind, you know, the zones you're progressing through. There's a ton of little secrets. Like you would, you would guess charming locations, places to find moons, which is, um, you know, your global kind of what you're going after in the game. And dude, there's like 880 moons to discover in this game. Those are like the things you receive for completing little puzzles or for finding little secrets, right? So it is wow. the, yeah, it's the completionist dream. There's endless content here. And despite the fact that it has so many things to discover and so much to find, it's still really brisk. Like you're going through levels and you're not in any level for more than, you know, an hour or something like that or 45 minutes. You move through the main storyline of the zone and it carries you on to the next zone with the liberty to come back to this zone and find more moons later. You know what I mean? So it's got that pacing. It's, it's really strong. Yeah, you don't have to go all the way to, to every nook and cranny, which as a completionist I'm going to do. You don't have to do it now. And that so often will take my gaming experience, grind it to a halt. If I have this sensation that I'm leaving stuff unturned that's not, but I can't find it immediately, uh, it'll crash my game where I start searching. And it, I realize that I'm now playing this game like it's a job and not having fun. So I love a game that promises, hey, hey no, no worries. There's lots of stuff and you can come back. Yeah, that that is that's so key, right? It's it's almost like Witcher syndrome for me in which, you know, I find myself taken away from the main thread for so long that, you know, I uh, I, I have a hard time returning to the game because I'm not being pulled by the central narrative long enough to really, really get into it. And I, I realize that that's a strange and challenging criticism of The Witcher. We'll talk about that another day because it is an exceptional game, obviously. Um, but I just feel like the pacing in Mario is killer. And um yeah, the, the, the one little gimmick that they have in this game is Cappy. So Mario's hat, Mario's beloved hat, has turned into a sentient creature. Uh, I mean, and I'm still not super clear how that happened. It was pretty trippy. The guy goes down to, like, he gets thrown out of Bowser's boat or Bowser's airship, lands in this creepy, ghosty world where some ghost possesses his hat and you know he ends up having uh he ends up having this possessed hat following him around i don't know but it's cool because what you can do is you can throw your hat and use it to either you know knock out enemies or use it uh, to assist in your platform you can jump on the hat while it's sitting there spinning um so it's just this extra dimension of running and jumping and what's cool about it is that you can actually um do, oh this this is actually so are you ready for my favorite part of this game hit me brother Okay, so there are purple coins, which is another currency, no different than coins in Mario, that you can just collect, and they're hidden around the in the in around the level in a way that's difficult to find. Make no mistake, like they're they're hidden cleverly, but it's not so difficult that they're not plentiful. Do you know what I mean? Right, right. And so um, you you collect these purple coins, and they let you buy cosmetic options for Mario. So in every world, like for example, in the desert world, you can roll in and buy a sombrero and a poncho. And in the, uh, in the swimming world, you can buy like a diver's mask and a bathing suit. And just the ability to like buy these funny little outfits for Mario and mix and match them as he's going through each world adds a totally new layer of, of playability to the game. It's just super cool. So yeah. You know what? It's, it's the, 
loot box with currency you got in the game. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Oh, I like what you did there. And it seems like thus far, knock on wood, cross my fingers, it seems like so far uh, the Wii is untainted by the dreaded loot box. And if by Wii you mean Switch, you'd be right. Yeah, sorry, the Switch. The Wii as well. Sorry, the Switch. Is uh, is untainted by the the dead the dreaded loot box and the I hope dead it stink the dead stink of loot box yeah I mean uh, I I you know, listen I I don't know enough about Nintendo as a whole and and the the you know what it allows on its console versus um, you know what publishers will push for um, but for my money it feels like every time you're every time I've ever bought a Nintendo game I'm getting my money's worth so they have definitely yeah, ca- yeah they've definitely carried on the theme here this game is a ten go get it. Um, super beginner friendly, obviously it's, I mean, it's the most accessible game in recent memory. You know, you can play it. Grandma can play it. Like it's just universally playable. Um, and also for very 420 friendly. Uh, and let me tell you why the, there's, there's a sense of surprise and delight in this game that is, it's just, it's so excited to surprise you. Um, little spoiler here, little spoiler. If you're so, I was I was you know, just blazed a little little joint, little joint for the evening, and I was kind of j- jumping gleefully through the woodland level, and uh, what ended up happening was I fell down a waterfall, and I thought that was game over. Like I thought I'd fallen off the map, and I was gonna re- resume my save. The screen fades to black, and then it opens up again, and I'm in like this hidden underground world, and I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. But not only am I in this hidden underground world, I'm running around. All of a sudden, I get chomped into pieces by a hyper-realistic-looking dinosaur. What? I was like, what the fuck just happened, man? Like that is T-Rex dog? I was like, am I like way higher than I thought I was, or did this just happen in a Mario game? And indeed, it did. And then my wife, she's sitting there. She goes, she goes wouldn't it be frigging hilarious if you could throw your cap on that bad boy and possess the dinosaur, I, I should have said this previously. You can do this to a bunch of creatures throughout the game. You throw the cap and you become a frog or you become a whatever the the enemy creature is in the game to use their unique ability. And I'm like, yeah, that's a clearly not a creature that's eligible for this this treatment. You're not just going to become a giant rampaging, hyper realistic Tyrannosaurus Rex in Mario. It's not a thing. Little did we and know, then... <laughs> it is a thing. It's a thing, my friend. You are possessing dinosaurs in Mario. You heard it here first. <laughs> so it is, yeah, it's, it's just, you know, it's a tight, fluid game. It's not janky at all. Everything has that Nintendo polish. It's a pleasure to look at. The vibe is positive. It's upbeat. Um, and, you know, just it surprises you and hits that delight, delightful joy button in your brain over and over and over again. It's just... Yeah, just a just a masterpiece. Super Mario Once Odyssey. Once again, Mario is our buddy that everybody can agree with. He's our he's our friend that says, "Come this way, we're gonna have a good time." He's our dude. He's our dude. And speaking of uh, speaking of having a good time, what do you think about uh, jumping over to the smoke sash? I think that is a brilliant idea. Yeah, man, I'm <laughs> I'm all ja- I'm all jazzed up to play uh, to play some Mario now. I got to tell you, I'm gonna jump off this podcast, and I'm probably gonna be playing Odyssey all night great one get at it buddy
Alrighty then, Purple Dungeon Squad. Let's go ahead and settle into the old smoke sash. Dan, what do you think, my friend? You want to smoke? You want to light up some herb? The trees are green, and thus we shall get it on. Yeah, man, that's some that's some Game of Thrones shit. I feel like that's uh, that's the kind of thing you would say in uh, in an antechamber of sorts. I gotta say that that show has one of the strongest introductory sounds or sounds music tracks and themes of all time. Like when you hear the Game of Thrones theme, you know some epic shit is happening. And what is a theme? than a series of sounds strung together. So I'm going to declare you correcting what you said earlier. And yes, there's like a rising quiet power to that uh, soundtrack that I would put up, that opening thing that I would put up against the greatest. Um, and I'd probably only trump by uh, such titans as the X-Men opening theme, the cartoon. Okay. Okay. Do you remember okay. this thing? Um, I don't really, to be honest with you. Oh, buddy. Oh, buddy. Let me give you a little taste, and I'll barely do it justice. It goes... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember now. Oh, so good. I remember being just a young man in my jam jams. You're only 17 once, and just looking at this thing. And just being like, oh, they're gonna they're gonna drop some serious mutant combat here, and they did. They they very rarely disappointed. Yeah, absolutely. And um and you know the kind of uh, jam jam time that could only be interrupted by an overzealous dad wanting to watch Bob Villa. Oh, he's gonna watch some Bob Villa, and he's this gonna old do house. so. This old house. He's gonna do so in a matter of fact way that destroys your world. He's gonna saunter in. He was outside. He was working on the car or doing the lawn. He goes, oh. It's one thirty, I think. Uh, I think this old house might be on. Mm -hmm. I'll just uh, grab the clicker there, and you might protest, but what he'll do is remind you uh, whose name it is is on the deed. Whose name is on the uh, the hydro bill and the cable? The old bill. hydro bill, and, and you look uh, at him yeah. in a com with a confused face, not understanding money or jobs or Bob Vila. <laughs> Least of all, Bob Vila. <laughs> Least of all, Bob. Vila. Who the fuck Let's wants to watch slow... this clown? toil around in like a basement you know what i mean like Let's who wants a to do that slow ambling conversation about planing railings yes let's make sure we get the protractor off your tool belt and you know uh, bob vila was the george lucas of the uh house home repair world yeah i, I can feel i feel that but it, only because of the uh, beard the beard the affinity for the plaid and the jeans. Yeah. It's funny how we you went know? directly to fashion and, and aesthetic. I, I think it's a fair comparison. I mean, what else do we know? They're, they're both world builders and the one that one has slowly built things around the world and the other one has constructed a galaxy far, 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 far away. away. Far, far away. Speaking of far, far away, that's about the same amount of distance I'd like to get from this conversation. So let's go ahead and get into our smoke session so we can blast off into our own universe. What do you think? I'm down. I'm feeling it, my friend. So I have a little Durban poison here. Now, where is oh, Durban? You're getting risky. It sounds like Middle Eastern. Where's Durban? Durban. Durban would be somewhere between uh, Kerplakistan and the state of, uh, I don't know, give me a second one. Uh, uh, Dohickey. Yeah, Dubal. Du 
Dubai. It's actually Dubai. it's actually the largest city in the South African province of KwaZulu Natal. So Oh, this is a real place. Oh yeah, Durban is a, is a real place. Um Don't uh, I feel silly. Yeah, I mean and like uh, it's more specifically poison from Durban or Durban. Uh so we'll right. we'll find out we'll find out how this goes. Um it's a beautiful looking nug though here and it's a nice spry sativa. So I'm excited to uh, to go down on this thing because I have a little bit of work. Speaking of dads coming in from outside, I'm a dad about to head outside and and uh, jump a dead battery because every oh, battery that's such a dad job. It's such a dad job, isn't it? It's like such a just a responsible adult thing to do. Um, right. All of our batteries in the in the fine town that I live in have been killed by the chronic cold. Uh, so you can't even buy one at the Ooh, hardware store or anything at this like moment. A great strain i'd like to smoke some chronic cold some chronic cold yeah man i mean here's yeah. the thing here's the thing doesn't it isn't it just i think what we should i think what we should do what i want to do moving forward is i'd like to find a way to theme i'd like to find a way to theme our episodes around like the names of strains melding with video games because they're just they're so creative and this is the, the amazing thing about weed is that you know, wine, you've got your Pinot Noirs, you've got your, you know, your Grigios, you've got your, you know, Sauvignon Blanc, but weed, you've got like, you've got like, uh, you know, Durban Poison, and you've got uh, your Girl Scout cookies, your GSC, you got your, you got your White Widow, you got your, it's just, it goes on and on and on, and uh, the, the feeling, the, 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 the texture of those names uh, never fails to disappoint. So today we're Grigio Durban Poison. Grigio sounds like a, uh, a Mario villain. It does. Grigio. Like one of, like one of, it's a me, Grigio. It's a me, Grigio. Yeah, I hear you on that one, my friend. What are you, uh, what are you smoking on today, my good man? Um, I have a little bit of a gift from my main man, Gnome. My audio, my Bro, audio Gnome file, is your, Gnome. Gnome is your hookup for everything. He is my hook up. Now, I, I got a couple guys on a couple deals, but uh, this, this man comes through every time. And uh, what I'm looking down the pipe of uh, is something that I've, I've, only sampled um, with my ear, never my lungs, and it's called Lotus Larry. Lotus Larry, that's uh, that's spicy. There's a spice to that. I like the balance of what sounds like a yoga move and mm. a dude that might replace your battery for you. I like that. That's good. I wish Larry was here, man, because it is cold as shit outside. It is and the cold last thing I want to as... do after this is replace a battery. Oh man! And listen, your battery doesn't ever needs to be changed uh, in the balmy, you know, days of July. Oh, so it true. Only summons you in the dog, the dog <laughs> frozen days of January during what can only be described as the Arctic bomb. Um, and Andy, well, while you're out there, while you're doing your battery, please remember to top up your headlight fluid. Yep. Don't forget to do that all the time. The headlight fluid. Make sure to get that uh, topped up. Yeah. And I'll, uh, yep. and I'll, I'll fiddle with the Johnson rod and get right um, in there on well, the uh, molecular listen, combobulator. It's a family podcast. Please don't fiddle with the Johnson <laughs> rod. <laughs> I mean, I think batteries are really the assholes of the car ecosystem because it's so true. Yeah. It's like, hey, hey, I hear it's cold as fuck out there. Everything's breaking. Guess what? I'm going to break too. Go ahead and replace me. I got some little nuts. You got to turn. To replace me in the freezing cold with your fingers, take your gloves off, make it make it hurt. That's the kind of now, thing that happens. Here's 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 what it is, buddy. Um, your car's battery and its alternator—they're like your idiot cousins that somebody breaks something and, and they each point at each other. The battery's like, I'm pretty sure the alternator's just not charging me. 
And then the alternator is like, nah, it's that damn battery not holding the charge. And they just point at each other. And you know what? You just fucking replace them both and call it a day. Call just it like a day. Just like you replace, you replace both your cousins with yeah. desk lamps. Or your aging relatives. Ooh, dark. Dark. <laughs> dark in a hurry. Dark. Good dark. Lord. Okay. All right. Moving on. Um, so listen, I, I'm going to jump into this Durban poison right here because I feel like we need... <laughs> I need an uplifting wave to ride in the wake of this battery hell that I'm finding myself <laughs> in. Um, Durban Poison. I, let's see this nug here. Now, this is a rather crispy looking nug. I'm not going to lie. It doesn't have that like, like typically when I'm looking at a nug, I want to feel a little stickiness going on. I want to like, I want to want to feel a little smooshy in my fingers, like a little fudgy almost. Um, this one's a little bit dry. Uh, and when I crack it apart here, let's take a look. Um, that being said, the trichomes like on the outside are um, not particularly um, frosty. This is not the frostiest nug I've ever looked at. But cracking it open inside, I got these nice little, nice little glimmers uh, upon the um, the kind of the pale green, minty green uh, leaf of this of uh, this here nug. Um, let me give it a smell. So I've got wow, that's interesting. I've got some grapefruit like a strong grapefruit flavor going on here oh and some oh, <laughs> oh yeah that really is really got in there yeah uh, yeah i really got my nose in there um yeah i got like some cat urine i don't That's think the poison i, I don't found think, the poison <laughs> i don't i found found the poison center yeah i don't think leafly is yeah. gonna back me up on that one and somehow i don't think they have a neat little icon with a cat's wiener uh to to back me up on that situation that's wiener what would that even look like I, how would you like would you how would you see that a any, wiener and go that's that's a cat wiener there's no I don't, question i don't think anyone's ever seen a cat wiener. anyway we can just continue on um all but, right moving right along yeah i mean so that's that's where i'm at with that i'm gonna go ahead and give this a spark up why don't you give us uh give us your synopsis of larry's uh larry's backside yeah and so i'm looking at the larry lotus and i've dropped a nut it is now an escaped nug, so I'll have to retrieve another nug. Um, it is... <laughs> oh, <well> shit! Oh, <laughs> God! Bonanza! Wow, man. <laughs> that is the harshest... Mm, that is the harshest little bit of weed I've ever puffed. Would a little... lady care for a bong? Yeah, no kidding. I'm sorry. I, you know, I, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and um, analyze this shit before you get into it, because I don't want to interrupt you, even though I've just interrupted you. Wow. You're doing great. Doing, doing all great. right. Doing okay. Yeah, this is, uh, so I got a little, little glass, little red glass pipe here um, that I've, uh, that I've prop procured. And um, holy crap, man. This, uh, this guy has gone into the back of my throat and, um, and taken a razor to my tonsils. That is, oh the, no. That was perhaps the harshest smoke I've ever had. Um, whew, and the flavor, I gotta say, it's not doing anything to get away from cat pee. Uh, that's that's the dominant. There's like a little bit of an ammonia situation going here. I hope my cat oh, just hasn't peed on hey, this. Andy, do you have a cat? I do. We've talked about my cat I, already. I'm going to uh, proffer a possibility here. Yeah. Uh, that that maybe you're you're having some freshly fertilized good times. Some cat situation. I I hope not. I don't think so because I just picked this up from the local dispensary and it would be really scathing for my cat to have made a special trip out there just to uh just to pee on my weed before I purchased it. Maybe you should uh just before you purchased it. That would be impressive. <laughs> I know. He's like I made my way out to the medicine wheel and what I did is I hunkered down and I, I made my there. move all clandestine. Mm. Um right. Um maybe you need to keep that kitty litter a little cleaner. 
Uh, yeah, or, or just, um, I mean, listen, i got to be honest with you, though. This Durban poison has uh, has crept in a little bit here. Anyway, I, I won't talk about its effects yet. You go ahead on Larry, but, woo, harsh as, harsh oh, as shit. Ma- wow. Man, I, I, want you to, I want you to know that uh, I, I was, like, I was talking, uh, we were talking earlier about how we should get better at, like, talking about pot, or maybe namely I should, because I, I typically end up saying, like, this, something like, this is indeed marijuana. Yeah. Almost, I'm almost <laughs> certain of it. So I, I jumped on the old Googs, and I gave it a Googs. I typed in the how to talk about, yeah, the Google I, I typed, Google typed in how to talk about weed. <laughs> you and, didn't type that in. Yeah, I did. But you and don't, you don't admit up. that on air, you silly guy. They just, 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 hey, listen, I'm a man that's on a personal development journey, and I will not be ashamed of that. I love so your anyway. transparency with our, audio, or with our audience here. I've uh, so, I've also had some gay thoughts today, and uh, Eddie, can I get to the point before we touch on your gay thoughts? <laughs> yes, it's for sir. a different podcast. <laughs> we're we're um, going deep. That's for your that's for your <laughs> job podcast you run on the side. Uh, old also called the Purple Dungeons. <laughs> <laughs> that one's that one's Andy's handies. Oh, Andy's handies. Yeah, uh, not, okay, not a bad um, one. Go ahead. So, um, and the listeners of that podcasts are called andy's fandies anyway um so uh the first hit on on the results says so i had how to talk about weed and the first one is how to talk about marijuana partnership for drug-free kids drugfree.org i'm like nope sorry google you mistook my inquiry <laughs> you gotta skip right past that one uh that's uh, so, yeah wow so then I you then click, I went you click ahead. into that and it's just a big big uh, big portrait big eleven and a half by uh, by eight portrait of uh, Jeff Sessions. So then I that's great. <laughs> it's a gift. It's a gift of him scolding you. Yeah, um, with his eyebrows. And then so I I was like, eyebrows. oh no problem, Google, my bad. Let me help you out with that. Let me type in Nugsmith. So how to talk about weed, Nugsmith? Then the CBC.ca came up. How to talk to your weed? Oh, your weed. <laughs> how to talk to your kids about cannabis after legalization i said once again no but if no i don't bueno. get into googles uh we're done so to talk about lotus larry i have been gifted by sweet gnome um some fantastic bud here um trichomes like crazy uh very frosty um medium green about the the, the shade of time and Ooh. uh the little hairs are <sighs> hidden they're 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 hidden all over the place they're sort of interwoven around the bud um and this is a long crown um and it's it's got it's it's still got its stickiness you know Ooh. it's half firm half spongy and if i get a nose on it it's somewhere between you know pungent and mild right in the middle you can tell this has got some kick to it it does have some weight and uh it's got a nice fresh citrus smell along with the earthy smell that like i think all pot has Sure. Only che- only the only one that I've ever smelled off the top of my head that doesn't have an earthy smell is like cheeses, you know? Like Yeah, that's that's straight cheese. That's straight cheese. Um so I'm 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 happy to get down on this. I'm gonna sprinkle some into this Blinsky here. I'm smoking out of my trusty pink Cheech and Chong uh uh uh, uh bong here. Okay. Andy, I need a new. I need a new apparatus. You need a new. I mean, listen, that's a beautiful bong. Um, but I, it's I just glorious. It's just pink. It's just straight up and, pink. Well, that's not the problem, but uh, because you know, I don't discriminate. But and Dank Dan likes the pink, but uh, you know, varieties of spice. Hey oh, you know, boom. Okay, let me get down on this. 
Oh, that bubbling sound. It's just almost a religious experience. Thank Dan going deep. Ah, uh, that was uh, that was that was prominent. You got right up in there. Ooh, that is really pleasant. It actually doesn't have as much punch as I thought it did. It would very mild flavor. Sounds a little more a uh, little more pleasant than the freaking Durban poison over here. Yeah, yeah, no, they, it it knocked on the door before it entered. Nice. And, uh, yeah, no question. Larry's and, uh, a gentleman. Like that this this one doesn't really put its foot too hard into any flavor. There's like a real blend that I'm hard to it's hard to put my finger on. A, a more accomplished budsman that maybe Google three entries to the third <laughs> Google may pick up more. Um, and as I taste it, and this might I might be reaching, but I think that this is a hybrid. And I thought going into it. Just hearing uh, that that uh, Gnome told me it was kind of a couch couch weed, that oh. straight hard indica. But I think it's this one might be a hybrid. So uh, Andy, should I read off? Should I check Leafly for Durban poison here? Yeah, give me the Durban poison D-Lo, my good man. Because um, okay, all I got was was harsh cat piss. Now I got to be honest with you before you <laughs> jump before you jump in there. Um, I'm feeling my energy level begin to pick up a little bit, and yeah. uh, I've got a you know the thing is is. I wasn't expecting quite as much stoniness out of this weed, and I'm doing all right here, but there's a little bit of stoniness coming in around the corners, a little bit more than I usually expect. Um, that being said, there's a lot of energy, there's a lot of euphoria going on here, so I'm, I'm feeling good, I'm feeling good. Uh, nice. Please, tell me about tell me about my sativa. So, uh, Durban Poison is a pure sativa that originates from the South American port city of Durban. It oh. has gained South African. notoriety. What did I say? You said South American. Oh, that's, my bad. That's all right. We're okay with it. They're both cool places. A, this one just a, happens to not be South that, America. That was a test. That was a test. <clears throat> South America. Uh, it has gained notoriety worldwide for its sweet smell and energetic, uplifting effects. Durban poison is the perfect strain to help you stay productive through a busy day when exploring the outdoors or to lend... A spark of creativity. Yeah. Growers and concentrate enthusiasts will both enjoy the oversized resin glands. Ah, uh, Andy, I didn't know the marijuana at glands. <laughs> well, listen, man, uh, I know because I'm a grower, not a shower. Um, that that uh, the the marijuana glands specifically um, got nothing there. Go ahead. Is it better to be a shower or a grower? Is a shower mean that you go around with a trench coat? And flash people in a box. This so is this like a are we are we in a South um, South African accent or are we we moving no, into New Zealand? No, you, you're all turned around here. South African would be right here, man. Okay, and there you, you need go. to understand that it's very different. It's very very different. Anyway, uh, uh, this strain is a quality choice for con con uh, concentrate extraction due to its large glands. Oh, the buds are round and chunky. And leave a thick coating of trichome on almost all areas of the plant. Oh, interesting, interesting. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't see this like thick coating of trichomes, which kind of surprised me a little bit because I'd heard that about Durban poison. Um, I mean, it, it's possible that it's the grow of it, 
Um, that being said, I you know the the potency can't be understated. It's uh, it's got some it's got some teeth to it. I got uh, I got stuck in a little bit here, so feeling good, feeling good. Um, alrighty, so listen, I found Lotus Larry not on Leafly but on Seedsman.com. Um, the Lotus Larry regular seeds are made by Bodhi Seeds or bred by Bodhi Seeds, excuse me. And, uh, ooh, you can earn at least 64 loyalty points by purchasing them on seedsman.com. We start got to start getting paid for this shit. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Uh, oh, I Andy, just, are you not getting paid? Yeah, I don't know. I just find myself wanting to go into, like, an advertisement for every every single time that, like, <laughs> I talk about a site right. I'm on. We're, we're like a product podcast <laughs> by accident. We're accidentally product focused. I just get excited. What's, what's funny is, like, six months ago, two years ago, None of these strains we would consider products, but now, now we're talking about like, uh, yeah, like I hate to keep going back to wine, but yeah, we're we're pimping stuff out. There's there's a monetization channel. I can just feel it. I can smell it. It tastes like money. But this specific uh, Lotus Larry strain, um, it is a hybrid, uh, as you suspected. Uh, the taste and flavor profile under the characteristics here are earthy, flowery, and lemony. Interesting. I know you picked up on those citrus notes and that earthiness, and I agree. You know, I mean, I think generally speaking, you can find some degree of earthiness in weed, but when it's specifically pronounced, I think is usually when it, you know, when it comes to the front and when you find yourself wanting to talk about it. Um, Lotus Larry is another treasure from the OG Synthesis series. In the same flow, there's a lot of S's here, as Goji OG, Cheech Wizard, and Ancient OG. The merging of the Snow Lotus Father with select OG Kush clones creates some very beautiful OG Dom hybrids with unique expressions from the special mothers used. Very clearly, this is a, a grower-focused website because I didn't understand most of those terms. Um, heavy do sounds like a <laughs> legend. That sounds like a Japanese legend. Yeah, man. Like I just like smoked a samurai. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the this is like the strain that Lao Tzu smoked before he headed west out of China. Dude, you just said Snow Lotus Father. What does that even mean? That's the name of my next fucking synthcore album. <laughs> yeah, man, I think that that's uh, that's probably the best like alternative trip hop band name of all time. Snow? Yeah, no kidding. It's the Snow Lotus Father coming at you like a bother. Yeah, I don't know something. By the way, by the way, can we admit right now that the worst familial sounding uh, like uh, noun is cousin? Because it never makes anything feel cool. Oh, the snow lotus cousin? Nah, no. no. Get that, get that the fuck it. out of there. Get cousins. that out of here. Yeah. No, thank you. Um, heavy duty, full spectrum OG effect with sativa influences from the snow lotus in some phenos. Other phenos may lean to the stony euphoric body side of the mother. That is just... Not telling me a whole lot about this weed you smoke, my man. So why don't you go ahead and tell us how these uh, how these effects are are settling in for you? Well, it's interesting, man. Um, usually I don't feel the face unless I've smoked this sativa, and I I have a sort of a, a nice gentle buzz going from my last intercostal rib, slow slightly below the xiphoid. Interco uh, inter intercostal, isn't that like yeah. be between coasts? No, that's intercoastal. Uh, intercostal has to the fact that it uh, has a position uh, uh, next. You know, to I, I wanted, I, I wanted, I wanted to call bullshit so hard on you, but a, a cursory googling uh, proves that you are indeed correct. So I'll just go ahead and bounce right out of there. You know better than to get up on my Hannibal Lecter style medical know-how. Are you eating a person after this podcast, Dan? Because if so, let us know. We can help you. I 
first of all, I doubt it highly. And I've got an extra all, person I've, right in my closet. Can hook you right up. He's a hooker person. <laughs> oh, dude. Oh, the thing is, we're on a tight timeline here, so I can't do a whole lot of editing. Take take it easy. Take it down a notch. Okay, okay, listen. Or put listen, it up a notch. If, I don't care. If that doesn't get edited out, I want everyone to know that I said that just for the joke, and I have nothing but love for sex workers, and I know that's a dangerous statement to make. <laughs> but they're, pe- they're people, and they're fantastic. <laughs> Extra fantastic. Dan, Dan, is, Dan loves you so much, he's got a loyalty card. Anyhow. So, by, by the way, when we say, when we, when we talk about the effects of this beautiful Lotus Larry, maybe... Maybe discretion or lack thereof. Is... I mean, speaking of sex workers, if there's ever been a sex worker, his name is Lotus Larry. Lotus Larry. I like how first you were like, Dan, Dan, don't go to that pool. Don't go to that oasis, comedy oasis. It's poisoned. It will never make it out. And then I'm like, you're right, Andy. And I trek back into the desert with you. And you're like, but just one second. <laughs> and you run over and grab a cup full of it. And you just take a long sip. You're like, oh, that's good. That's tasty. Let's go back that's to this tasty. well. Let's yeah. get back to and that. And I, I bet Lotus Larry is a tasty man as well. Yeah, yeah. Lotus Too far? Larry, Too far. No, no, that was fine. I, listen, that's a compliment. Lotus Larry definitely has some game um, because you know not only is he uh, uh, flexible and disciplined uh, with his yoga mastery, but his name's Larry, so he's got a trucker style that, that just makes him uh, uh, charismatic and uh, lovable in a sort of a rural kind of way. Yeah, I feel like in the future, um, you know, Lotus Larry won't need a pimp. He'll just need a good marketing guy. And for that, he should call Dank Dan. Oh, that's right. I, I can get, I know both how to follow the trends of the microanalysis, you know, but also let's bucket too, Larry. And I know you know something about bucking um, because you also ride rodeo uh, bulls on the side. Hey, hey, oh. let's go okay all right well listen man i uh, i'm enjoying this uh this little trip in durban poison here but i gotta tell you i got a munchie of the week that i want to share with you because a couple episodes ago we talked about going uh going a little bit healthier going a little bit more responsible with the post uh with the post session munchie i've got my yeah i've got myself some pomegranate seeds these are leftover Hey-o. yeah what you let me tell you there are these little jewels of a, of a, a fruit byproduct that are left over from my holiday salad um so that means they're approximately 15 days old but they still 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 look pretty good and i think they're a pretty accurate portrayal of what uh what you might actually find in your house after a good stoning i mean i guess it's uh, not pomegranates yeah are great because Pomegranates are great because you open a fruit and what you have inside is not fruit meat, but a series of other fruits. So yes. You can open that sucker up and it'll it'll stay vivacious. Mm, it's, a, it's a really bright flavor. So I'm grabbing some yeah. of these guys. The weird thing about pomegranate seeds is you've got this situation where you've got this like woody, strange, fibrous feeling seed covered on the outside with this like delicious, slightly sour deeply ruby red satisfying juicy fruit meat and it's just a real trip because you would expect to have to bite through like some sort of hard surface to get into this guy but it's it's the reverse it's like a reverse popcorn kernel you know what i'm saying you know that's a very interesting uh insight into the pomegranate where would you say you first picked up that that valuable insight uh via eating via eating this pomegranate here right now are you sure that's the case andy because i think you might be telling a a purple dungeon fib 
I think uh, maybe you should pack yourself back up in the spaceship there and tell me what you're eating there, Captain. Uh, okay, I will get down on it. Oddly enough, I have uh, a fresh bag of Orville Redenbacher's country style kettle. Oh, you went popcorn. Nice. That's a good call. Don't eat much of it on the show, though, because there's probably nothing worse to, to hear through a microphone. Um, I don't know how to tell you this, Andy, but I've been eating it the whole podcast. You're a stealth eater. God bless you. I've developed a method. Oh, okay. Tell me about this. Because, like, honestly, I'm no sitting way. here. No way. Patented. I'm sitting here, and Sorry. I feel like my lips and my tongue are, are betraying me with every, with every squish of these pomegranate seeds, and I just I can't do anything to control them. Um, wow. I get that. I get that completely. I'd love to share my method, but it is a closely guarded secret um, known to a few many. Few many, a few and, good men. Uh, you can't what handle I love about, the truth. What I love about just hearing about your pomegranates, which I know the seeds, uh, you know, if you stay with them too long as you're eating them, they lose their sweetness and they start to uh, taste like uh, makeup remover. Oh, they're really starting to taste like makeup remover. Like just a little much, yeah, you, just so sour. You got to watch that. And, and I'm eating this popcorn, which is in a way the reverse of the pomegranate. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. That, that soft, pillowy interior with the coarse, fibrous exterior. Yeah, you're trying with, a, with the, this kettle corn, this sweet kettle corn, you need to blast the goodness out with heat and moisture with so what is, pomegranate. What is, sorry, what is kettle corn? What is, is, was it so, made in a kettle? It's made in a, usually a large, um, which you probably think of traditionally as a pot, and they would usually caramelize molasses over top of it with some salt perhaps as well. And stir it. And you stir it in that thing, and they all pop. One's on the bottom pop. And add the sweetness, and it caramelizes it nicely. It's nice to do. If you can get a tin or a copper uh, pot, that's a really great way to do it. Transmits the heat. There you go. Honestly, well. I just shoved probably about 30 pomegranate seeds in my mouth in an effort to really suss out where I stood on the flavor of these things. And that was a right. terrible idea. Terrible idea. No. Yeah, no. no oh. you, you went too deep. The pomegranate. Just you sour. It's just not an on-the-run food. You when you're taking going to take a jog, you have a, a fruit bowl. There's four other options that are better than the pomegranate. Yeah, no, that is not. Ooh, that's not what I was looking for. So, uh, big thumbs down on pomegranate munchies. No, thank you. Ooh, sorry. How's Unless that? you want to slow the game down. So wait, you so want to slow that game down. Am I to understand that kettle corn is just vaguely, vaguely sweet? Just a little sweet. This particular kettle corn is 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 got. Like what can only be described as like a partially caramel outside, heavily caramel in this case. Ooh, sounds delicious. And Orville Redenbacher—that's the kind of snack like... that I need right now, friend. Like, I mean, oh. I just, I just, I tried to go healthy, but I find my tongue only wanting the sensation of pure crap. Orville Redenbacher on a t-shirt looks like the type of guy that Jeff Sessions would know, and. <laughs> Orville is the cool one that's like, ah, you know what we should do is uh, we, should, we should spread a, a delicious treat of corn all over these United States and sometimes gently kiss it with sugar or salt. And I think that would be wonderful. And Jeff Sessions like, well, uh, Jeffrey, me, Jeffrey Borgard Sessions, going to stop people from smoking marijuana as it is only slightly less dangerous than heroin. <laughs> oh, Jeffrey! Listen, Jeffrey. And I'm gonna Jeffrey, keep that fight up. I know that I'm gonna I, keep that fight up for a stiff fifty years, even <laughs> long after I've been proved incorrect in a political party that values 
Personal choice. And, and free enterprise. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, uh, we'll let you eat just about anything you can or drink anything you can. But when it comes to smoking this particular plant, for some reason, I feel very strongly. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Go back to your craft dinner and your Coca-Cola. You know, if, if Mitt Romney shows up and tell, tells, if Mitt Romney shows up and tells you, hey, man, don't smoke that weed. At least, you know, a man is looking you dead in the eyes that doesn't drink or drink coffee or smoke cigarettes or, you know, <laughs> you know, what? anything. Since, at least when that, is, since when was Mitt Romney like the most straight edge person you could think of? Oh, buddy, am I dropping this knowledge on you? I guess you are. Old, old, old Mitt Glove Romney? Old Glove Mitt? Mitt Romney is a Mormon, my he's friend. He's a Mormon. Oh, nice. A Mormon, yeah. not, a, not, a, not a moron. He's, a, he's, he's on the right path. And in fact, he's a particular type of Mormon that actually moved to Mexico. His father or grandfather is, is Mexican. Oh. Grandfather, I believe, because he was one of the Mormons that moved to Mexico, split off from the Mormons and stayed. They had a difference of opinion. And uh, they lived in Mexico for a generation. Then moved back. Moved back. Yes, he is a successful businessman, Mormon. Oh, because lovely. Because what, what, what would you do as a, a married Mormon with eight kids that can't drink coffee or have a, have a beverage, <laughs> an adult beverage? Listen, would... all, the, all the power to you, Mitt. Um, I mean, for sure, I'd rather you be the, uh, the chief justice on this one than Jeff Sessions. Listen, oh, Jeff... Jeffrey, attorney, attorney general's Jeffrey Sessions. Jeffrey Beauregard Sessions. Yes. Listen, Jeff, if you're listening to me, my friend, I've got a doink here. I've got a doink here for you. Um, you know, a good old J-O-I-N-T. And when you want to come around and give it a good old smoke so you can at least be speaking with authority on the good old marijuana, uh, you, you, just, you just call up your pal Andy and we'll get down. Invitation sent. Thank you. Appreciate that. Straight to his hotline. Um, Dan, why don't we jump into a little game I like to call 12 Questions, which is the younger cousin of 20 Questions. Uh, but I figured that this would help us narrow down the actual game a little bit. We played 20 Questions a couple episodes ago. It was a good time. I think I won handily. Um, however, uh, I want to take this one, trim it down a bit. This is going to be 12 questions. You're going to give me a category beforehand, and we're going to see if I can guesstimate on your little, uh, on your little, little game situation. Okay. The theme is, the category is uh, vehicles. Vehicles. And more specifically, main character or uh, hero vehicles. So this isn't a TIE fighter. Okay, I got you. So it's, it, a, it's a signature you know I mean? vessel. Okay, I got you. Is it, is it sci-fi or fantasy? No. Neither. Got you. Got you. Um, interesting. All right. So is it set in the modern day or is it set in times of, of old or in, uh, yes, yes, times of old? Was it set in times of old? That is an A. I got to stop giving you two, two, <laughs> two questions when the result could very, very well be something other than those two things. Wow. Incredible. Right. So it is not an old. Okay. What about, is it a futuristic vehicle? Negative. Okay. This is video game related, right? Correct. Okay. That's a question, by the way. No, it's not. Certainly not. What, <laughs> oh, you I... want me to give you that one back? You want that one back? Just take, that sound take, like just, a question just, that I answered. You settle yourself right. down, dank Dan. How many do You're I have left? You're a four. You're a four. Jump back in. I've asked four or I have four left? You've asked four. Okay. And I believe goodness. in you. Uh, thank you. I have faith. Okay. You're cold the... so far, though. Really cold. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not doing so hot here. This is just, just as feeling like a real train wreck. Um, does the vehicle belong to a superhero? 
No. Okay. Does the vehicle belong to an action star? No. What the... F Does the vehicle belong to a cartoon character? In the strictest sense, no. I really dislike where this is going. How many questions do I have left? Um, you have a stern five questions in the hopper. Remaining to go. Uh, okay. And you are really circling what can only be described as the outer orbit. <laughs> the... <laughs> okay. Um, Jesus. Does it, uh, is it a futuristic vehicle? Have I asked that already? I can't recall. You did already ask and get the answer to that question. Do you recall what it was, Andy? Asked and answered. Asked and answered. Uh, <laughs> Do you recall? No. You recall the answer to that question? No, but I've got no. faith. I've got four good questions to make <laughs> to make this happen. Is it? Oh, is you're it, ending my life right now. Is the, okay, is this a is this a Nintendo franchise? It is a Nintendo franchise. You are now in the inner orbit, my okay, friend. Okay, all right. Are we talking Mario Kart racing or Diddy Kong racing? No, I can't give you two. I've got to answer, ask one. One question. So, uh, you, if it, you can ask that as one question. Is it part of the racing Nintendo series? Is yes. Is question? it part of the Nintendo racing series? I have to say yes, buddy. Oh, my goodness. Okay, two questions left to deduce this. Um, holy shit. So let me, let me make sure I understand. The, out of the two questions, does one of them have to be, is it XYZ? No, no, that's, that's, an, that's the finisher. You that's dunk. the finisher. That's okay, the I got a dunk. Yeah. I got a dunk. Okay, so... Uh, All right. Is, uh, does the vehicle appear in a Mario game? Mmm... I don't know. Refunded question. Refunded question. Um, so, okay. Uh, does the vehicle belong to a princess? No. I, was, I went way too narrow on that one. That, just, that was really Refunded question? You were no. too high on that one. Give it a... <laughs> <laughs> too tight. Too tight. Oh, God. All right. <laughs> Uh, so I have two remaining, just so I understand. Okay. Yeah. Um, and they ask better questions. That's my advice. <laughs> what a jerk. Oh, what a big old jerk. Just Go ahead. fall down a chair. Um, <laughs> let me think, think of here. the audio. Think of the audio. Uh, ooh. Okay. So does this vehicle belong to a humanoid character? Yes. Okay. So we know it's not like ghosts. Like Boo or like something. Are you trying to convince me that you've narrowed it down just now? Because I'm not convinced. Well, hold on a sec. When I say humanoid, I don't. I mean like non-animal. So if it's Donkey Kong or Diddy or some shit like that, or Shy Guy. Okay. So if that's what you meant, also no. Okay, cool. Um, is it an evil version vehicle? <laughs> is there an evil element? No. <laughs> oh i don't know if us both laughing into the mic is good podcasting but buddy no uh, okay so uh you you you've you've traced out a path around this this thing and you got your way off to like question let's call it eight seven <laughs> five and then you 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 zoomed right in you got tight up to this thing yes and did a valiant effort andy what is your guess? My guess is this Luigi's car. No, sir. Oh, good guess. Eh. Good guess. All eh. right. What was so, it? So, um, 
It is the Excite by but the Excite bike guys bike the Excite bike the the nominal the titular Excite bike. Excite bike. I thought you said it was part of the racing series. An Excite bike racing is Nintendo's like first racing game. That's and fair. so that That's actually a fair point. that got you pretty right. So I thought that got you kind of close because you knew the Nintendo family. Now, if you asked me, got an idea of the vintage of the game, you found out I was on NES, I feel like you would have been tight. You know, well, I mean? you would have been right there. I think I probably could have circled into it if I wasn't, uh, boy, if I wasn't eight questions in and uh, still riding the, the, the zero wagon. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough to be at eight and you're at like it's you're, you haven't dis- discerned if it's smaller than a bread box. You're like, oh, no, something's gone wrong. <laughs> All righty, then. Well, that's uh, that's one for the Dan zero for the Andy. Um, we had some listener questions this week, which is awesome. Thank you, guys. Much appreciated. Bo's Game Room asks, what was the time when you were too high and how did you get through it? I love this question. Yeah, I like it, too. Uh, you want to start? Why don't you go ahead? Oh, I like the positive spin on this question because it assumed you got too high, but it also assumes you did what it took. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. This question is arriving you now, so you somehow survived. So you can pinpoint uh, the moment I got too high. Here's, here's, the, the, here's, the, here's the spoiler. Everyone survives weed. Everyone. <laughs> there are no waiting on the first fatality. Yeah, okay, still waiting on who, fatality number any one. Any day now. Yep. Any day now. There you go. Um, so you can tell the moment you actually can pinpoint it, and it's about uh, in episode six, about fourteen seconds into Andy's review of Persona Five, uh, the Holy Grail that I smoked or took took far too much of and manned up far too hard to is hitting me, and I am uncomfortably high Ooh. for the, the 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 remainder of the podcast. And you know when it happens because I tell you. <laughs> about 40 seconds in how yeah, man, I was riding how, I was riding my wave of persona just getting deep into the mechanics of the game sure. and you just you just come out of the closet with a uh, with a serious admin ad, admission of um, of highness so well, I wanted to I hug you I but I also it, wanted to talk about persona that's true I came at it like a sir I was like uh Andy here's a couple points about what you've just said that I really find uh yeah inspiring and really hit the mark and uh I want to let you know that I've been uh, comfortably high for about two and a half minutes. Yeah, absolutely. And, you, you, uh, you, you, okay. you didn't. You didn't break your. Uh, you didn't break your prof- your journalism professionalism, journalist professionalism uh, in that moment. Anderson Cooper would have been proud. Uh, and it, I want it appears you to know that, how I got uh, I'm on it. fire. But um, let's carry <laughs> I on. I believe uh, it seems I'm currently ablaze uh, in what can only be described as a tower inferno of pain. My skin smells decidedly like burning moisturizer. He's got great uh, skin, Anderson Cooper. Oh, if you're out there, oh, high five, bro. It's, uh, it just smells like a bonfire full of shea butter. <laughs> um, yeah. So to be clear, what I found myself doing is pacing the room for a moment, and then I remembered that that's not how you do a podcast. And I just sit back down in front of the mic, and then I rub my legs for uh, comfort and warmth. Yes. It's actually surprising. We were on an airplane once, I recall, and, and I was feeling a little bit nauseous. You taught me this little trick about rubbing my, my inner <laughs> rubbing my inner thighs. Not where I wanted I to take that. Quick lesson quick about lesson. rubbing his inner thighs. Right on, right on the airplane. The old mile high club. That's what <laughs> And this that is into. how Andy's handies was born. Yeah, that's good. God. Um, but you taught me this little <laughs> trick about rubbing the tops of my thighs from the waist to the knee and back. 
uh, just in yeah. time in times of physical dis- discomfort or distress. And I got to be honest sure. with you, I've used it many times since. It is a really great tip if you've got nausea going on, or um, you know you're just generally feeling stressed or a little bit nervous. I find rubbing that those thighs. <laughs> As I'm doing it here, it just feels more and more inappropriate to be talking about it with a wider audience than myself. Hey, um, but it's hey it's man, a good one. When, when all else fails, when there's nothing you can do, like this is very true on a plane. If you're having a nervous takeoff or things are getting hectic in the air, you can't go fly the plane. You can't even coach the pilot. There's really nothing for you to do. So if you just give your monkey brain like, we're going to do two things. Okay, we're going to rub our legs, which feels okay. And we're going to keep ourselves warm. And uh for warm, it can't be that bad, right? Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. It's like chewing gum to not be nervous as well. It's like your body, you trick mm-hmm. your body into feeling like um, you're, mm-hmm. you're eating, right? You're giving it that mm-hmm. false feedback loop, uh, which, right. which calms your lizard brain down just a little bit. Big time. Yeah. Um, for me, it was peppercorns. Peppercorns were the solution. I, uh, I had, so I was in, I was in a, a, an incredible, I was having an incredible dining experience at the old, what the hell is it, and why is my brain just totally ghosting on the name of this burger chain right now? Good lord, the California the old one, Cheese Factory, Animal Style, In and Out Burger. There we go. Wow. So I was in an In and Out Burger, enjoying you know the the secret menu burger, which is Animal Style. I'm pretty sure it's only a secret to people who you know have never been there before, because <laughs> truth be told, it's uh, it's pretty much all anybody orders. But Animal Style fries and burger had a great time. Hit the vape pen right afterwards, and um, you know was feeling so so uh, in the in the spirit of consuming things, thanks to being at In and Out, um, that you know I went a little bit too deep on some pretty dank extract, and so I found myself uh, feeling uncomfortable. It's just what you described, uncomfortably high, right? I had a little bit of the little bit of a chill going on, uh, a little bit of paranoia, some sweats, and what's interesting about that series of um, that series of feelings is that I do believe that those are generally just called caused by stress, right? You know, you notice yourself mm. being just a little bit too far on the on the side of of, of chilled man, right? Mm. And uh, and you, you know your body starts asking yourself some circular questions about, am I okay? Is everything all right here? And and that can create some very physical sensations of clamminess, um, chilledness, you know, heart palpitations, all of which can be mistaken for more serious symptoms which is just a, a really terrible place to be. Um, and, you know, having the ability to know that that cannabis and THC are not, they're not, they're not going to cause you to, to go into anything um, that could be potentially life-threatening or dangerous, right? So that, that's, that's an- another thing to keep at the forefront of your brain to not go too deep on, on being terrified. Um, but what ended up happening was I got back to my hotel. I needed to separate myself from the group for just a little bit, just to chill out and splash some water on my face or whatever, I actually ended up jumping on Leafly and the first article on there was how to not be too high. And that felt like <laughs> that felt like a divine moment, right? And um, so I got in there and, and they actually recommended a trick from Willie Nelson, which is chew on four peppercorns, throw four whole peppercorns into your mouth, give them a good, a bit, good mastication. And, um, you know, what actually ends up happening is there, there's some protein in the, in the pepper uh, that binds to the same receptors in your brain that THC binds to. And so it just evens you out a little bit, um, can take off, you know, some of that edge of maybe being a little bit too high. Uh, and, you know, I mean, it, it, I've used it in time since, um, and I've actually recommended it to a couple of people, and it definitely does a great job of doing that. So I would, I would recommend that for sure. Yeah, I, I think I think this is gold advice, and uh, uh, I've I've come to learn that for me, 
before I crunch down those peppercorns, I pop a couple in my mouth and I just sort of let them be there and get some of their goodness before I bite them. It's because having some stiff, extremely spicy peppercorns in your mouth, depending on the freshness of these particular corns, they can rock your world. And, oh, uh, yeah. You know, yeah. you climb in those slow, real slow. Yeah, see, I'm, not, I'm like completely unaffected by peppercorns. I find that I just, I'm a big lover of peppercorns, so me popping four in my mouth ain't no thing. For the majority of people, and I did recommend this to someone, so I was, I was at a party with a, with a couple folks, and um, this fellow next to me, he had come along, and he wasn't really much of a smoker. Turns out there was a lot of weed at this party. Uh, and so he sits down at a table next to a very attractive girl who's rolling up a joint. And of course, he nice. can't, yeah, nice. she's, like, she's like, oh, you nice. want to yeah, split this, uh, this bad boy with me? And he's like, I, yeah, of course, because I'm a regular marijuana consumer. I always, <laughs> I always split joints with people. That's, That's what, what I, do. I do. That's my thing. And so he, uh, you know, gets into a situation where he's 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 just chiefing the, the most regal joint chiefing that anyone's ever done. Uh, and right. you know, I mean, he's burning this thing down. He's taking deep lungfuls. He's exhaling. God bless the, him. Yeah, man, he's exhaling into the sky like a lion on fire. Uh, and then yeah. you know, five minutes later, we're standing in a circle of people, and I look over casually and notice that his face is as white as a sheet. So oh he's, no! He's, he's riding the roller coaster of uh, of bad dreams, um, and so you know what ended Buddy, up happening. Let's just take a moment and just uh, give it to men. A woman would never willingly drive a car into a brick wall like our friend here has to impress a dude. No, because they have nope. more sense than that. They're like, oh yeah, no, we Wait. this is not required. <laughs> and I like what I like about your man's move here is you can bet big. On the early moments of a giant blunt. Sure. And then when the check comes due, <laughs> it's too late. Listen, it's too late man, to pull up. Dosing is so important. Like, you know, at the end of the day, oh, you know, experience, experience like deep smokers, fine. You know your tolerance. You know how much you can smoke. You've got, you've got the, um, the mental fortitude to handle going too deep on a joint. You know how to you know, talk yourself out of any sort of mental state that, that comes from overconsumption uh, over of cannabis. Uh, for right. someone new to the world of cannabis or just embarking on that journey, um, please, for the love of God, smoke a small amount of weed. Don't get in Jesus. there. Yeah, do don't, yourself a favor. Do yourself a favor, man. Don't, don't go too deep because no ne- it's not don't- necessary. Don't be at the guy at the drug tent at Coachella that smoked too much weed. It's embarrassing. <laughs> oh, oh, guys, I'm greeting out. I'm greeting out, man. Oh no! <laughs> um, what I love about what you said, Andy, is you're so you're so right. Your first couple times out, you kind of learn you learn those skills in the wilderness how to get yourself out of a, a bad spot because you add, end up in one, especially when if parents are in the mix and you're a younger man uh, with dreams. Anyway, um, sure. but after you've been there a couple times, when if something were to go wrong, your your inner self, your 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 subconscious, goes in and, and opens up a, a little safe in your mind palace and cracks open uh, uh, like a, uh, a sealed container that says "gone too deep" and starts reading <laughs> out the emergency operation to get you out of every situation. It's like too much weed. Here we are. Yeah, no kidding. It's it's like a fine British had fine a British burrito lady. and then and then went scuba diving. I got a thing for that. <laughs> yeah, man, it's a it's a series of thought processes that reads like weed will not kill you. Remember to, your to wife breathe. that her sister's pretty hot. Yeah, don't do any of that shit. My goodness. No. Um, Keep that to yourself. 
Anyway, so this gentleman who was greening out in a big way, uh, you know, we were actually, we were in a condo at the time and I looked over onto the shelf and lo and behold, there's a big old pepper grinder up there. And so I must've looked like a maniac scaling the shelf to grab this pepper grinder. And even more so when I came back with four peppercorns to feed to this obviously way too high gentleman. Uh, and you know, there was a lot of talk about how I was just trying to fuck with the high guy for a long, long period oh, of time. Trying to give him the old peppercorn. Yeah, the old spicy keychain. But um, yeah, no, he uh, popped them in and about, you know, 30 seconds later was just leveled out. I mean, listen, the guy's obviously still on cloud nine, but, you know, leveled out enough that he's feeling good. Color returns to his face, not flushed anymore, not tripping out too much. And, you know, that's that's what you need, man. So listen, if you're the guy right now, for some reason, you know, two hours deep into Purple Dungeon Squid podcast and you're still too high, well, let me tell you, my good man, it's going to be all right for you. Go find some peppercorns and you're going to feel just fine. Yeah, uh, you know, easy hands on the could the head, slow, slow speed, just toast on to freedom. You'll be fine. Yeah. And um, our second question comes from Random Retro AM. Where did Purple Dungeon Squid come from? So I, I presume he's, he's talking about the name. Um, yes. I think we're going to leave it there. Yep. Right. It's it's a kind of a good story, but are we going to stay? We're going to save it. We're not going to save it. We're just never going to disclose it. Oh, mm-hmm. um, it probably be discoverable on our Patreon at some point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Patreon I mean, backers only. Yeah, yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Um, yeah, yeah, no. We don't have time to tell the story either. Like that would be that's its own podcast on in itself, right? I don't even have time to tell you why I don't have time to tell you uh, what Purple Dungeon Squad is. There it is. There it is. There it is right there. Um, Monster Hunter World. So just, you know, listen, I'm stoked about it. I'm as stoked as anybody's ever been about it. I played the beta a couple weeks ago, really digging it, excited for it to come out. I think it's uh, January 28th, I believe. A little bit of some bummer news, though. It's only coming to PC in the fall. Autumn 2018. That's horseshit, man. I mean, uh, you know, listen. High five over to our PC Master Race brethren. Uh, you got to wait a hell of a lot longer for Monster Hunter World. So that being said, I'm sure it's going to be a mind-blowing experience with some good hardware. PC gets dogged, eh? Uh, I mean, yes and no. I, I feel like PC gets dogged on console, but then again, consoles get dogged on PC. It's just anytime you got a port in the mix, it's like, you know, you're, you're just you're asking for, for some non-native treatment, you know? It's good business, and... Uh... You know, PC is such a less stable platform. You know, the the developers know what's in your Xbox, in your PlayStation. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. Right. You know, when, and it, with smart business because much harder to pirate on um, the consoles. So it, to release them staggered, you know, it, it, if you have a choice of, you know, uh, multi-platform, but you have a PS4 and it comes out six months ahead, you're more likely to do that. And I think that's partially intentional. Yeah, I would say so. Speaking of, oh, excuse me. Wow. Durban Speaking poison. of partially intentional. <laughs> partially. <laughs> listen, this is Durban Poison. I got to say, I, I wasn't a fan of the flavor profile. I would not be, like, when, when I hear it's ideal for extract, I mean, I just, I can't imagine wanting to vape or, or dab this strain. It's just, I'm not sure if it was the bud specifically, but it was so harsh 
that I feel like uh, I'll only be smoking it sparingly, probably from a bubbler next time. But I really enjoy it. The, uh, the feeling is really upbeat. Um, that stoniness that I was talking about in the beginning dissipated pretty quickly. And now I'm just feeling, um, you know, a sense of, of elation. And also at the same time, I had a little bit of pain going on in my ear. I've got a, I can feel an ear infection creeping on. Right now it's totally, totally muted. So feeling pretty good about uh, Durban poison at this moment, despite the fact that it tasted mm. like fresh cat piss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a flavor note that isn't mentioned, which, which makes me think that maybe you've uh, you've angered one of your feline friends. Nah, dog. Because Mr. <laughs> Mr. Tibet describes it as the espresso of cannabis. Oh, interesting, interesting. Well, I mean, listen, depending on who you ask, espresso can taste uh, wonderful or like uh, probably like cat like piss, cat, too. Like cat urine. <laughs> like cat yeah, urine. Or, you but know s- what? You know what? Asked and answered. Well done. There you go. But speaking of good business, so you ready for a little bit of a doozy here? Um, Star Citizen. Are you familiar? Mm. It's, it's the, Very, yeah, yeah. The, the, the tentative <laughs> big asterisk. It's been the great, it's been the greatest game that's taken the longest time. Yeah. No kidding. Gonna give uh, Duke Nukem forever a run for his money. Yeah. Except Duke Nukem forever. Isn't doing $36 million a year in capital raising. <laughs> Which is a great, yeah, man. So get this, get this headline, get this headline. Star Citizen raises more than every other Kickstarter game combined in 2017 by two times, (laughs) by double. Pardon you? Yeah, man. So so video game funding on Kickstarter clocked in at around 17 million bucks this year. Star Citizen did 34 million this year. Last year they did 36 million. The product, the project, yeah, get this, listen to this. The project has raised over $175 million from just under 2 million people. So 2 million people have said, I haven't seen very much of this game, but I like the idea. Here's some money. Which leads me to believe that we need to come up with a really great concept for a video game, put it on Kickstarter, and never develop it because this sounds insane. So a- Andy, uh, that that's staggering. Yeah, that that's, is staggering. That's something, man. That's something. There are companies out there doing some serious good <laughs> that have not raised one one millionth of that uh, of that of that sum. And I, I I don't say that to to take away from the idea of Star Citizen. I mean, realistically, it sounds like a great game, and if it comes to pass. Um, if it comes to pass at the level of quality that they've been talking about and the the scope that they've been discussing, then I think that's more than, you know, like, listen, I'm glad that it raised so much. The challenge is, is that I just, you know, if I step back into my common sense corner, Star Citizen, if you don't know about it, is a, uh, a massively multiplayer online game taking place in a galaxy, right? Um, that it's, it's a sci-fi MMO that has fleshed out systems for everything from your spaceship that you're riding around in to mining to, you know, squadron combat down to starship level, down to space station level. It's it's the most complete space sim that's ever allegedly, you know, been in development. Um, the challenge here is that every time I hear about Star Citizen, what I don't hear is when is it coming out? What I do hear is, oh, we're adding a new feature. So it's, it's crazy because, like, these guys are probably – riding the most genius train of Kickstarter uh, inspiration that's ever been been thunk, which is do some tech demos, release them, then tell people you're going to be doing cooler shit, do a couple more tech demos, and just make tech demos for the rest of your life. Um, and, and maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but wow. Right, because they're running a company. This is like an actual studio sure. that's like currently making game, 
apparently. Is it? Is there any playable version available yeah. in any form? Yeah, they have. So th this is it. They have some modules that are available. And listen, like, <sighs> I get it. Like, they're. So if I'm putting myself in the in the shoes of this studio, I'm probably doing the same thing. I'm releasing small little segments of the game for people to try. There's, for example, um, a, a module called Squadron 42. Uh, it's uh, like I believe a multiplayer uh, PvP kind of uh, tech demo, I guess you could call it. Um, but Jesus, man, I mean, at the end of the day, I've seen enough video games that had a far narrower scope right? We're being put out by AAA studios that had all of the manpower behind them that you could have hoped for still fall well short of their initial goals, whether it be in, you know, technical, technical limitations or in, uh, you know, story or whatever. The idea that this studio is going to roll in Cloud Imperium and deliver what could only be described as the most comprehensive game ever released <laughs> is just a little more than a little scary. You know what I mean? Right. Well, it's so fascinating because two million backers is a big number, uh, small relative to the earth or gamers. There's, you know, two, two million is less than 1% of the U.S. Like there's lots of gamers out there. But the fact that they've been able to raise money and operate a, a company in this way, like 175 million bucks from two million people, if my math isn't, is just short of 88 bucks per person. I mean, I can't do math, but that sounds plausible. <laughs> right? But, so 2 million people drop 88 bucks off of some more, some less without getting a game in their hand. I and mean, that's a fascinating, you know, a psychological twist, but I guess it just means your excitement of what they're doing is large enough and your belief for you to chip that out. I wonder how many people paid in and then came in and paid more. They're like, I like what you did. Ooh, yeah, more of that. Yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, here's the thing. The idea of Star Citizen is maybe just exciting enough for people to want to throw money at it. Like, just, just the idea that something like this is in development, I'm, okay, I'm kind of okay with that. Because here's the thing. I live a lot of my life um, of enjoying video games and hobbies like video games through the discussion and anticipation of those things, right? When a new game's coming up, you know, people talk about it. There's trailers, there's, you know, speculation, there's all that good stuff. And I got to be honest with you, a lot of my hobby time, now that I'm a, you know, let's air quotes functioning, I'm a pretty pretty well-functioning adult, I'd like to say, um, you know, is spent... Andy, when somebody tells you a well-functioning adult, that doesn't inspire, um, you know, faith. <laughs> That's that's a phrase from the dystopian future. That's uh, that's one of three labels they put on you. It's the only one they allow you to live. So, um, <laughs> oh man, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, where was I going with this? Oh yes, the the idea of a launch of a you know of an interesting new title is often almost more satisfactory than you know than actually getting in and playing the game, um, with some notable exceptions. But you know. So living in this space for a really fucking long time, maybe that's fulfilling so, some wet dreams out there that, you know, that wouldn't be filled otherwise. So Andy, what you're telling me is you paid your 86, 87 and a half dollars and you're pleased with the coverage because what you came to do was watch. I paid it. The, I paid it twice. God damn it. God damn it. <laughs> I'm the voyeur of Star Citizen. You, you play when it comes out. I'm just going to watch from here. I'm sitting here in my Star Citizen t-shirt, um, eyeballing, right. eyeballing my limited edition spaceship. Uh, many millions of pixels there. I figured $160 is the least I could spend. I've written some speculative lore that you might want to look over. Just some su suggestions for you know the denizens of this universe and their their life and times. So maybe you just want to peek in there. 
Yeah, well, why not? Um, so, you know what? It's it's late in the day, and I wanted to touch on one thing that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Do you remember when we were discussing sleep? Like, we had a little bit of a tug of war as to whether or not smoking weed before sleep is a good idea. Yeah, some real colloquial bro science went down. Yeah, well, so... High Times did an article recently about why you don't dream as much when you smoked. And I've actually mm. I've actually noticed that. Like the nights when I go to sleep, um, and you know, I've had a little bit of weed before I, get, I climb into bed, uh, often I will wake up feeling extremely rested and without any dreaming to be uh, to be seen. And so what's actually fascinating is this article linked to another article that completely completely d- proved us both as uh, as correct in our own stances, right? So you're ready for this? So are you familiar with the phases of sleep? Yeah, there's um, there's uh, basically uh, your sort of very light one, and then in the middle there's a REM sleep, and then the third one is the deepest sleep, and the general movement through that is like a waveform. You um, go into light sleep, and then the medium sleep, which is REM, and then you go to a deeper sleep only to do back out into the REM sleep, into the lighter sleep, and then back down. Um, and that's why when you wake up, um, sometimes you feel very rested and you just wake right up. You're just like, ah, you just open your eyes. That's when you wake up during your light sleep. Then if somebody wakes you up in REM sleep or even worse, deep sleep, that's the various forms of like you wake up, you're like, where am I? Your body doesn't want to even move. It's like, oh, it's stiff. Yeah. And you got you to deep. That's why alarms are a real bitch. But um, right. Yeah, I digress. Uh, no, you're, you're absolutely right, actually. So, I mean... The light sleep thing, I think there's multiple phases of light sleep, but it's pretty much you pretty much nailed it. What's interesting is weed gives you more deep sleep. So that third right. phase, uh, I can't remember what yep. the scientific term was, but you're right. It's, it's effectively deep sleep uh, and less REM and REM or REM or whatever you want to call it. That's actually what gives you <laughs> that's that's the dreaming component. So uh, what is it? Ra- random or rapid eye movement? Rapid eye movement. Rapid eye movement. Right. So that's when you're when your brain or your body goes into art to rapid eye movement. That's when you're dreaming the most vividly. And so weed has this tendency of shooting you right past deep or right past REM and into deep sleep and keeping you there longer. And so what it actually said was that deep sleep is important, right? And makes you feel generally more rested because it's the physical component of the of the uh, of the rejuvenation that you undergo when you're sleeping. So when I'm talking about feeling really well rested when I wake up, uh, after smoking a little bit before bed, it's legitimately, I'm spending more time in deep sleep, but you're absolutely right because REM sleep, which is, you were discussing how you don't really like messing with your sleep cycle at all. REM sleep's really important. It actually helps you process your emotional and mental, um, elements from the day. It refreshes your mind. It purges some of those emotional states, some of that information, uh, that might be just kind of lingering around in your brain. Um, and if you don't get enough of it, you can feel a little disoriented, a little bit spacey in the morning, which kind of like coincides. I remember you, you, you've said before that you get like a little bit of a weed hangover. Does that sound about what, what, it, what it is? Yeah. And it's, it's not always, but I've noticed it, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. So it's, it's, it's interesting because I read this article and it totally put a button on, you know, your experience and my experience. So if I were to take a guess, it would be that my body naturally goes into REM cycles more often because I very rarely get any of that disorientation or spaciness when I wake up. Um, and I'd imagine that, you know, uh, it's a little, it affects you a little bit more, um, on that level. So it's, it's kind of neat. There's some neurochemical implications too. Um, your body releases certain neurochemicals um, in your stages of sleep, and some of them are to immobilize you. Um, and you know, I, I, there's some theories out there that have to do with the block of reuptake inhibitors of certain neurochemicals. It might be selective among the population, 
Um, the other thing that's interesting is, <clears throat> you know, scientists don't actually know a ton about what happens um, in each phase of sleep and, and why they're both so important. I was uh, listening to a sleep researcher talk about this recently, and she said it's interesting. If you're low on, you've been getting REM sleep and not enough deep sleep, your body will actually, when it gets an opportunity, skip right down to, to deep sleep. Oh, interesting. And uh, you'll notice this because if you've been run ragged and you like, you know, when you just hit the pillow and you're just out. Gone. And you time travel forward to the next day. Yes. Like, oh, that's when you went right to deep. Your body skips REM. And, and conversely, um, if you have not been getting enough REM sleep, your body will compensate by only dipping into deep sleep briefly and, uh, and staying more in, the, in that state. So it's funny. Our, our body and our brain maintain the balance. And, uh, you know, it's, it is for the reasons you mentioned, and I'm sure many others, uh, required for a healthy mind, healthy body. Yeah. Interesting. Well, I mean, listen, it's, you know, um, it's interesting to experiment with the effect on, uh, you know, on, on the body, um, by, you know, using cannabis as an element to help with, to assist with sleep when, when some problems crop up, like I know deep sleep, for example, is a lot more challenging to get into the older you get, obviously it's not an issue for us right now, but you know, when you're, when you're reaching your upper fifties and sixties, it can start to, uh, it can start to degrade actually. So, you know, weed could be a pretty powerful way to make sure that your body's getting back into that deep sleep as, uh, as required. Word. I like that. Word to your mother, my friend. Word to your aging mother. No, I, God bless your mother. <laughs> I don't know why whoa, I went there. Whoa, yeah. whoa. <laughs> Goodness. Oh, man. Um, anyway, Paul, listen, we've been going pretty long on this here bad boy. Um, do you want to you shut her down? You want to you uh, sail we, off? I think that it's time for the purple dungeon squid to slither back into its cave. There you go. Well, listener Through questions. The drop the portal kit. The porticles? Port porticles? Porticles? Por por excuse Tent me? Tentacles? Are you having a stroke? The thing, por port cutlass? What's that thing that you close? A port cutlass? Yeah, that's the one thing. Someone did not go to medieval times. No. No. Sheltered childhood. Listener questions or games you want us to play? PurpleDungeonSquid at gmail.com. Uh, and recommend us to a friend or an enemy, if that's the way you want to rule. Or a father figure. Oh yes, yeah. Send it to send it to Ron. Send it to Ron. 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 Tell Paul? about our two, our two. Yes, ah, oh, my man, Ron Paul. Ron Paul. Shout out to you. He actually gave uh, he gave Mr. Sessions a lambasting about the uh, a, a tongue lashing. An old lick lippity splicket it. Beautiful. All right. Recommend it to a friend, indeed. Uh, and also make sure you follow us on Instagram at Purple Dungeon Squid. Until next time. Keep it dank, friends. Keep it dank, my good friends. Keep it dank. All the way dank. Danks a lot. Fuck, I am high.